A word to the wise. We are an explicit podcast tackling content with adult themes as well as entering spoiler territory if you aren't caught up with us. That point this week would once again be the entirety of the Red Rising saga. So if you haven't finished all five currently released books, maybe turn around now or prepare to be spoiled. Hey there, this is Cross. And I'm PJ. And we are Words and Whiskey, a podcast for veteran and novice readers alike. We tackle fiction novels and love to talk about what we're drinking. You should think of us as your intoxicating weekly book club. And this week we have, yet again, several guests. So uh, if you all would like to introduce yourselves, that would be wonderful. Whoever wants to start. We've got the coolest guests here, PJ. You didn't even like. You didn't even lead them in that way. Well. Come on, we've no. got we've got most of <laughs> Hale Reaper here with us today. We've got Jeremy, Janelle, and Mathar. Say hello, folks. Hey, hello, folks. Hey, gentlemen. <laughs> God, God damn it! <laughs> Thanks for having us on. Yeah, to start off, with. yeah, we're uh, we're super excited. We we said we were going to have you back, and we had to. We absolutely had to. So we're glad that this this worked uh, out. Except I was not That's back. True. So. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and we are we are in fact missing Philip, of course, but uh, dearly missed. But we'll have a we'll have him on at some point. I'm sure. R.I.P. Um, be around for sure. R.I.P. Without a doubt. Philip's so, got kids. Lots of kids. <laughs> It's true. He's got to take care of those little chill chitlins. You know, Jeremy's got kids too, but Jeremy's kids mm-hmm. are are in check. Older. I don't know what do you call them. They're like <laughs> <laughs> they're trained. Oh, sorry, the kid, Jeremy's Party kids trained. are trained already. <laughs> yes, I've house I've housebroken my children. <laughs> you have a furry kid. I'm the only one that has nothing. I don't have a kid either, or a furry kid. PJ has two though, and that's enough for me. <laughs> Fair enough. It's enough for <laughs> from me a too. distance. I have a law school. <laughs> That's true. Law school is its own <laughs> beast. Um, well, fantastic. So I, I think what we should lead off with, we're going to be talking about all kinds of things, but this is going to be more of like mm-hmm. an imaginary exploratory episode, um, less on some of the specifics and more of some of kind of the, the larger universe as a whole. We, we got really into a number of nice parallel conversations in our last conversation. I think now with the full context of the universe, we can talk a little bit more about some of the, some of the, uh, fun going on that we'd like to see around the universe that don't exist yet so that's going to be kind of the the theme of the episode but before we get into that let's uh let's talk about what we're drinking uh pj what are you having i've got a nice cocktail called the hanky panky and if you'll remember (laughs) i purchased we both purchased a bottle of fernet bronca and i have been actively trying to use it and I've used <laughs> fucking hardly any of it. Uh, so it is two ounces of gin, two ounces of sweet vermouth, and it calls for like half a teaspoon of Fernet Branca. So that's why I can't go through this thing because it's got such a fucking powerful flavor. It comes in a liter bottle, 750, I think. It- you know, the problem is that you, you, you feel like you need a reason to just drink Fernet. I mean... You ever heard of, um, what do they call it? The, uh, the, oh God, it has an industry term too, where it's just a, a beer and Fernet. Oh, God. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. 
Fournette, uh, there, I know exactly where you're talking about. Fournette came, popped into my life for the second time. The first being this cocktail. The second being uh, in the Suicide Squad movie. And they ask for at this, you know, Costa Rican equivalent club, they ask for a shot of Fernet or like just Fernet in, in like glasses. So they each get like a, a pint glass of Fernet mm-hmm. straight up delivered to them. And I was like, that is ridiculous. <laughs> like Just in, in context. But oh, my God. Oh, just man. drinking Fernet at a bar. Ugh. It's 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 like the thing. I think it's like the uh, most bartenders I knew in San Diego. That was like their thing. And they started putting it on menus and uh you'd order god i wish i could remember what it's called i'm gonna remember it later and blurt it out of the middle of like a really important poetic like diatribe that one of you are gonna be <laughs> on. i'll be like that's what it's called um that's but that's exactly you don't need an is. excuse to just oh you know you get one of those little shot glasses where it looks like a little boot um because i think it has something to do with a boot it's like a kicker or something like that and you just pour mm. yourself an ounce of fernet and then shoot it and then follow it with uh, a beer. beer of your choice you don't have to shotgun the beer but it's just <laughs> it adds just a little bit of polish to it you know there what i mean <laughs> it like fa- it fancifies it fair enough <laughs> yeah I'll give that a shot um i i have been very unlucky with my searching for cocktails with fernet so i might have to just resort to just shooting it so <laughs> that's all it's good for <laughs> I have heard of people mixing it with Coke, though. Mm, interesting. So, yeah, Fernet Coke. I don't know. But but beer sounds probably better. Like, you get rid of more quickly. I'm trying to also think about how to get rid of my bottle at this point, now that we brought it up, because it's just sitting in my cabinet. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, what are you having? Yeah, you know, I've not tried this, but just uh, for PJ, I've heard you can actually mix one for one with squid ink. So if you possibly have some of that and you need to get rid of it, well, squid ink pasta. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I think you can leach the ink out of the pasta using Fernet. Um, it's an it's an interesting tactic, but you might try. Uh, as as far as what I'm having today, I went with a classic old fashioned, garnished with nice. a cherry and an orange, and made with uh, Maker's. Very nice. Great. That's great. For the record, I still have all of the squid ink as well, in addition to all of the Fernet, so I might try the one-to-one. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's sludgy, too. It's like you take a spoon. It's not It's not a liquid. It's a solid or semi-solid. Oh, no. It's, yeah. Oh, whole thing. Whole thing. Uh, Janelle, what are you having? I am having what you told me to have a few minutes before we recorded, I but most built importantly... built it for you a very restricted list of ingredients. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What did we want to call it? We should call it like the coppers. What was it? I don't know. Coppers Instead conundrum. Of like lawyers. That there good. you go. Because Miss Janelle has a brief due today. But <laughs> look at the vessel. Woo. It's a it's a nice little howler mug. It's a nice little howler mug. It's a howler mug. Very cute. So. And uh, what's what's very it made limited of? Copper. You, you do have to, you do have to explain what it's made of. Um, wild turkey whiskey bourbon. Yep. And Seven Up. And ice. Ooh. There you go. Classic. <laughs> yeah, very important third ingredient. The ice is an interesting twist. Thank Janelle. you, Cross. I like that. <laughs> you just need. You know, I'm clever. That's what you need coppers for, I was like, guys. Do you, do you have like an orange, any kind of garnish? She just goes, nope. And I was like, I said kiwis. Right. Yeah, kiwis. I was like, just cut up a kiwi, take a slice, and just put it there. Oh, you don't man. mix it into the cocktail. Just on the edge of the glass, just for, just I'm for a shiggles. Busy sovereign. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then Mathar, what are what are you having? 
Well, um, I'm having. Let's see if I can get in here. Just yeah, the, there's a little sound bite there. Uh, it's called Imagination Supreme. It's a okay. New England Ooh. IPA uh, made by a brewery uh, called Imagination out of Missoula, Montana. Nice. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. And it's got a picture of um, our former justice, uh, Supreme Court justice, uh, Ruth Bader. RGB. Yeah, RGB. RGB. R- RBG, nice. right? Ruth Bader. RBG. Feeling very copper vibes here, guys. Yes. I like R- it. RBG. You're right. And it's as though I've been drinking, but I haven't. Yeah, it's almost like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost yeah, as though Ruth Bader, that's, that's happened. Uh, inspired um, <laughs> New England hazy IPA. Ooh, I dude, I can't get over hazies. I've been drinking them for like two years and I'm not tired of them yet. They're just so good. We have them quite yeah. frequently on the show because they're just delicious and mm. easy to drink while recording. And the that reason I'm having a beer is actually because I have let my bar go. To the point where I had three options. I had wine, beer, or vodka. That's all I have left is Tito's. <laughs> and so I could have made a Bloody Mary, what was left from this weekend, but uh, didn't feel right. You, so. you could probably make That's some okay, sort of That sounds familiar. <laughs> My bar was similarly demolished. <laughs> yeah, it's rough right now. Yeah, I didn't think I, I was uh, drinking that much on uh, the, over the pandemic, but I, I don't know. Really? noticeably it's gone i don't yeah. know what happened, I don't know what happened. <laughs> it's it's just it's no longer there mm. awesome and then i'm actually having a carbon copy of uh jeremy's drink from last time a vesper martini so Ooh. pretty pretty straightforward uh gin vodka blanc and in theory a lime twist but i actually didn't have lime i had every other citrus fruit including like grapefruit but lime so just a, a dash of, of like a drop or two of lemon juice just to give it a little bit of citrus. But And what do you think? It's great. Love it. Love it. Haven't had one in a long time. That's why I was nice. like, this sounds this sounds like a good move. <laughs> Especially considering the weekend I've had. Let's level up the alcohol a little bit. All right. You want- so with that, we'll go into the show itself. Um so we've we've talked a lot uh about this universe of course we've explored a lot of different corners and we've discussed previously a couple of stories that we'd want to see kind of fleshed out i'd like to kind of take this a step further and really kind of dig into it a little bit so if you could have any novella from this series what would you want current characters past characters specific moments uh, a section in time um i know that we've talked at length about merriweather i'm gonna just like put a pin in that one because jeremy you can't get out of this so easily um but (laughs) yeah yeah what 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 do we want to hear what would we want a bit from well, I'm going to go get started. You know that I am a big Mustang fan, and I want Reaper Stang Wedding. I want to see that. Ooh, yeah. That I feel like was neglected. We just got, you know, we hopped into Iron Gold, and it was low wife, low husband. Um, I feel like I was robbed. <laughs> 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 Excuse me, I need this. <laughs> it's true, especially since we get several invictors, you know, like, it's got to be equitable. Oh, here. yeah. So is that from mm-hmm. the uh, wedding planner's POV, Janelle? Hundred percent. That makes a lot of so sense. Who's the wedding planner? <laughs> Severo, duh. <laughs> that that wedding's not getting executed. I don't know at that if that's point. that obvious, <laughs> nope. actually. To me, <laughs> that's a rough wedding planner. <laughs> How do you imagine it? How do I imagine it? Yeah. Well, first of all, dope cake has to be has to be strawberries, obviously. Hmm. 
I don't know. I'm thinking more of a really wild bachelor party. <laughs> well, especially if you have Severo Planet. Like, that's that's your only choice. Oh, yeah. 100%. Right. Wonder if, uh, obviously, he's the best man. Who would be Mustang's, like, maid of honor, though? Mm. I wonder. I wonder. I f- like, your gut wants to say Victra, but that's just not true. Yeah, it, especially yeah that's what I was going to say. But It would have been Quinn. No, especially with the events in Dark Age. I you think so? I don't feel like they had much interaction. It'd be some total, like, random. Because I think the idea... I, I, I hear what you're I saying. So. Like, we don't get enough Mustang at this point. This would have taken yeah. place between Morningstar and Iron Gold, right? So yeah. we have no context right. for, like, who's really in her life. I don't even know if she would have had a maid of honor. I think she would have had, like, what do they call it, like, a mate of honor? Yeah. Like it would have and like absolutely Daxo. Yeah. like Daxo. Yeah, I was right? just gonna say Daxo. Like that's Daxo. You know, come right. on, this is that's what I was this is the say. future. You know, these people are gender fluid. I mean, like things are on a spectrum yeah. with them, right? And so I, I think mm-hmm. the idea of like that traditional uh, of a setup is probably not gonna make sense when we think about it from the perspective of who raised her, right? Like Cavix and Daxo. Mm-hmm. Then it starts to click for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. I think I think you're right on Daxo. Mm-hmm. My only other option, if we were if we were keeping it in kind of the balance, was like it's got to be one of the uh, Telemannis, you know, yeah, girls that we haven't yeah. met, and that's like, yeah, that's not a, that's Theodora not a better answer than Daxo. In, oh, Theodora actually makes a decent amount of sense. Oh yeah, well, she would probably be the wedding planner. That's, that's let's be honest. That there you are. Mm, there we go. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see Quicksilver being oh, the flower be so girl. <laughs> yeah, that's you oh, really right. got to forgive a lot from the happen. second trilogy to like go back to the Sophocles, though. Like, <laughs> <you know>? yeah. <laughs> Sophocles. They have to have a much better relationship. Mm. No, that's fair. No, that's good. I, I like. I like. Oh, yeah, the idea Sophocles. Of this. Like oh, three clones yeah. ago, that Sophocles will be the ring bearer. Okay. The three clones ago yeah, one. I like it. <laughs> Okay, all right. Well, anyways, that's what I would like to see. I mean, there was a big... They were still on rocky footing, I feel like, in Morningstar. You know, the I felt like that whole book was kind of a test because, you know, they only revealed that the big thing towards the end. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, but, it's a spoiler. We're, we're um, full And then all of a sudden, they're... Full spoilers. Okay, well... <laughs> Fire away. Well, I just wanted to see that more explored because they... You know, from Morningstar to Iron Gold, they got really lovey, and I just wanted to see that ex- more explored. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a good one. Unless they did just like a courtroom wedding. Do they have courtrooms in? Uh... <laughs> I mean, a white wedding, right? In Mars, it'd be a white wedding, right? True. Ah, uh, that was a bad joke. Anyway, um... a gold wedding. What? <laughs> <laughs> Billy Idol, it's fine. Anyway, a white would officiate the wedding. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, okay, what what other novella ideas? What other pitches do we I have out there? This is going to yeah. seem obvious for anybody who's listening to me on this podcast or or anything I've had to say about this, but it would for sure be uh, Ephraim, and it would be his time as like a like an investigator. I think like pre rising. Um, you know, I. Like, ideally, a time when Trig is still alive. Like, I would just have it be a story that is solely focused on him and his world. And so, like, there'd be lots of holiday, there'd be lots of Trig, and there'd be, like, an incredible heist. And you'd just, like, have the coolest, like... And it would create this sense of conflict between, like, what he's doing and sort of where... um 
I, I, I think the ideals intrinsic that like Trig represents and sort of maybe even the conflicts with Holiday, who's a little bit more straight laced. And so I like to see those worlds kind of colliding, maybe a very early version where maybe even a version of Ephraim that is still, um, and, and I might be getting some of my timelines wrong, like in terms of like perspective, but I think he was doing investigating at a time when Trig was still alive, right? Because he didn't join the Rising until yes. Trig died. Okay, yeah. So he yeah. was doing that. Trig's alive. Mm-hmm. He's a little more optimistic, right? He hasn't completely lost his faith in humanity. He's not a complete misanthrope at this point. Um, I really, really would just like, and it doesn't even have to be a big, thick, I mean, novella, right? Like, it doesn't even be a big, thick right. story, but just give me like 300 pages on that, and I would be so. <laughs> fucking happy 300 pages is a thick story all <laughs> i right. guess it is how many how many what's a thing well i just I, I think i think like a novella is like at most 200 pages at okay most fair like, 200 i mean pages, but dark still, age like, is like yeah. 900 pages or something like that so <laughs> or 750 yeah, right. pages so i guess i was i was thinking shorter a, but yeah, 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 yeah red rising is like 350 so <laughs> okay so yeah give me 150 yeah. 200 pages of uh ephraim planning you know maybe not planning a heist but maybe e from busting a heist right so like he is on the other side of it and maybe we see some of his experience that led to him being a really good freelancer i know pj has a lot of feelings about this because we talked about this for like 40 minutes the other day and cut it from an episode so you cut this i'll kill you there you go redemption we did yeah (laughs) so Go. PJ doesn't know that it got cut, but it was because he was belligerent. Yeah, I drunk. don't remember that. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. <laughs> you didn't need to bring it up. You can't even remember. I mean, he was he was mm-hmm. staring off. He's like, "Did I talk about this?" And I was like, "It's that's why." Mm-hmm. Yep, love it. Yep, that was. I I love I love this idea. I love Ephraim so much. I want more from Ephraim, and his end is very unfortunate and sad. <laughs> and that's that's the one that breaks me oh, the most in Dark. But Age. he was worthy though. I'm not convinced he's dead. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> uh, it could be a squid game. You never know. Uh, that one hurts. I'm the only one who I, I, it here. I agree. I agree so hard though with with the Ephraim perspective. I just I want I want a lot of that, and I think that'd be nice. We've got the low to the ground rogue side. I I'd be interested in what like the society looks like before a lot of this like to, to kind of see and like it, i think that that would lend some not credence but it would lend a little bit of an interesting insight into like what lysander is fighting to preserve even so i think that you've got like a lot of different angles there that would make sense yeah i'd love yeah. that do you have other thoughts pj i don't want i don't want to i don't want to hear that um <laughs> do you remember your drunk rants? i don't I yeah, don't I was remember like, it at you all. Had, you had such strong opinions about this. <laughs> I have no idea what I said, Crossland. You were like, I want to know where he got the forge gun. <laughs> you were very specific about how he got the omnivore. Um, anyway, I don't need to recount all of this for Don't you. we know how he got the omnivore? <laughs> I think it was a gift from Trigg. Oh. Which is like, that would be a perfect way to like segue that novella in. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if there were more mop moments, you know? <laughs> I think the drugs happened after Trick died. <laughs> oh yeah, darn it. Yeah. <laughs> I I think that novella day is great and I'm a big big proponent for that one. Yeah, Inspector Ephraim. But not like Inspector Clouseau style, you know, like not. Yes. Not bumbling Ephraim. We want pro Ephraim. Right, right. All right. What else do we got? All right. 
All right. So for me, Crossland, since you took off <laughs> the number one from the table, that's so obvious. I'm going to get greedy and I actually have two novellas that I'd like to see. Yeah. So only one can come to life, but I want to propose to. So uh, both of them timeline wise happened between on that 10 years between the two trilogies. So first one I want to see is the rise of the red hand. I I want to see what happens, uh, how society kind of devolves uh, at the same time. It's trying to seek freedom um, and democracy. I think it'd be really interesting to just, watch those struggles with the solar Republic, watch them kind of lose the allegiance of certain planets and certain families, uh, and see how that all kind of, uh, unwraps the, is there a particular planet? It's all Mars. Like, would you right? like to see it like Mars or? Yeah, I think it would have to be probably based on Mars. I think it would make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but just watching kind of, uh, Mercury and Venus, kind of abstain from the solar Republic and, and kind of uh, seeing the political rivalries there and, and how that all works out. I, I'd find very interesting. Uh, the second novella would be let's follow Lilith. Let's pick up where she <laughs> escapes from the Lion of Mars in Morningstar Ooh. and how she corrupts Publius and becomes the syndicate queen syndicate queen. Uh, I think that would also give the availability. And I think that actually kind of like merges into Mathar's idea, right? Because it's going to tease out more Dukes. Mm-hmm. It's going to it's going to see more of that grimy underworld. I, I think that would be a fun one. Mm-hmm. I think you'd actually pair up those novellas as like a. So I recently been rereading. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or Here's, like you could intertwine the stories and like do do two like POVs <laughs> there. Right. Exactly. Um I think it's a great idea. I I would definitely I would go with the second one over the first myself, but that's because you you like hit a perfect thing that like there's so many questions about how she got how she like took over the syndicate because we get references to it back in the original trilogy and you know how all of that has gone down inside of Dark Age. I'm actually looking forward to my second read of this series more than the first because the first felt like really overwhelming. It was in the middle of trying to like make a podcast and all of the reading felt really pressured and there was like this like need to like absorb more information than I could on a single read. And Mm -hmm. also, you know, I have a busy schedule, so I don't read really fast. So, uh, my second read, I feel like I'll have all this context. I kind of know where the story is going and I look forward to being able to pick up things exactly like what you're saying, Crossland, like, uh, being able to pick up on that subtext with the knowledge of where this is going to go. And that's where I think, books like this really come to life for me is is seeing the deftness with which you know an author like pierce lays the seeds for that future you know what i mean i'm yeah yeah totally i i think that that is what i what i love so much about the series is in all the rereads like in this third fourth reread for me depending on which book we're talking about i was like i focused on the poetry and the history and like mm-hmm. got to like drag that out from underneath all of it so yeah i mean there's there's so much inside of the series mm-hmm. yeah that i can offer i love that lilath take though here's here's a fun question it's spelt lil ath ath do you guys still say lilith mm-hmm. of course yes yep it sounds yeah, like, lilith. all right yeah that makes sense. Crossland very much just, emphasizes the ath part of it. It's Lilath. Lilath. Yeah. Lilath. Because <laughs> it's not it's not Lilith. Like and it, it seems as though 
it was one of those things to like just change it a little bit so it wasn't too on the nose that she like the progenitor of demons and whatnot like you don't want to put that out there but i don't know i uh i i don't know maybe it's one of those things like every dm that i know like always you know goes for the classic insert the y instead of an i like (laughs) into (laughs) to make it more fantasy-esque right it's like right uh maybe it was one of those things just just to kind of give it tweak it yeah just tweak it a little bit right yeah and what are writers if not like glorified dms (laughs) it's the same job (laughs) it's the same job Uh, one has a lot more babysitting so there's that that's true there's a lot of babysitting in dming that's a good call yeah really an editor is like the writer's dm if we think about it real (laughs) hard but all right that i i love that idea though i think specifically like getting in on the ground level thinking about lilla thinking about the syndicate and like like you said the dukes i want to know i want to know the duke is the like how many we got hands we got legs that exists this is true the duke of butts has that's to the exist. one i'm backing yeah. <laughs> you're backing the duke of butts <laughs> backing the butts that, I that just makes sense. duke of necks just like a really <laughs> yes. thick neck oh nice. definitely obsidian <laughs> duke, duke of delts just like <laughs> <laughs> get those quads skipping every leg day it's just all about the belt yeah. duke of delts <laughs> Oh, man. All right, PJ, I'll what's your novella? I, <laughs> I want to see no, love the childhood and adolescence and coming of age of Octavia. Because I want to oh, learn back. more about the mind's eye, which we know we'll get from that. And I want to know what she's mm-hmm. like before sovereignship. I don't even know what how old she was when she became sovereign. Like I have no idea. I know. A, hmm? Well, she... There was a story. <laughs> well, she betrayed her right. father. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, but I don't know what age was that. Yeah. yeah. So all of that. What drove her to do that? What so, her friendship with mm-hmm. the Furies were like before any sort of power? Like, I all that stuff. I'm such a fan of this, PJ, because I, you ready for a hot take? Can we do hot takes? Go for it. Hot takes are ready. Let's do it. Hot takes prepared. I love Aja. Aja is one of my favorite characters. Like, mm-hmm. died too early. That is true. Um, so fascinating and interesting. And I also really like Lysander. So, like, I, I really like Lysander and Aja's relationship. And, like, she was very matronly with him. Like, she was very, she was his mentor and his friend. And, like, he, I mean, I think there's, like, a side of Lysander that is, like, that could have been a really, amazing diplomat could have been a really amazing politician and and really helped a lot of people in another time and i think a lot of that is because of like i think octavia did more harm than good and i think aja is actually not the like like the villain that like she's kind of painted to be from darrow's perspective we can't trust darrow's narrative right so like we can't really trust his perspective and i think there's more to aja than meets the eye and this pj seems like the perfect opportunity (laughs) to really see from a different perspective like what an amazing Mm -hmm. amazing person aja is and i mean whether that amazing includes good i don't know right which is not good yeah she's an incredible character yeah she is. And I think the biggest point of her villainship, I guess, is less to do with her actions and more to do with her capabilities. Like she is a very, very capable razor wielder and she's on, on the opposing side. 
So yeah. she is she is a pinnacle villain because she's just really really hard to kill. You know? Yeah, as an obstacle character in the story, she is just yeah. absolutely like like there's no doubt that she would be standing in the last few chapters of Morningstar. Like when you're reading it, it's like if if this happens, it's going to be just such an epic moment and the payoff was really good, but uh, I do wish that I got to know her better. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Good one. I love that. Ooh, what about like a novella of the students of Lorne? I think that would, that be, would dope. be pretty dope. Yeah, yeah. I I think that would be sweet. I think that Lorne almost also in the in a similar context like doesn't get enough direct time on page, but gets a lot mm-hmm. of indirect time on page. Um, especially come yeah, the later true. books. But yeah, Lorne's an interesting one because. It seems logical that I, of all people who's talked way too much about stoicism and everything else, would would say I want a Lorne novella, but I don't, I don't, I don't fucking want that. Um, I don't think anyone really wants that because it would really just be a lot of I him do. justifying murdering a bunch of people. <laughs> like, oh, oops, not that. I, but that would be what it is because that's that's his entire life, and he, he's very upfront about that. He's like, I hate it. Um, however, before I verge off there, I totally agree on the point of. Aja and sort of the importance of the story and the meta narrative that Lysander was dragged down by by circumstance mm-hmm. of Octavia, like being related to Octavia. And obviously his parents were what's so fucked to me about Lysander. And we've already done two episodes talking at length about Lysander. Uh, but what's what's really messed up to me is that his parents were against were were, were trying to change the society mm-hmm. and were. Against reformers. The, the standards. Yeah, totally. Thank you. I could not remember the term. Um, <laughs> reformers within within the society. So that's just the extra messed up part is that he ends up being on. He like has undertones of reformer in him, likely because of Aja, because a lot of the rest of it was pulled out of his brain by Octavia. But with mm. Aja's knowledge. So I think there goes her goodness, possibly in that uh, novella. But that's OK. <laughs> But that's also that's also kind of the thing, right? She's very angry about that because she's aware of it. And she I believe it was even referenced by Calendora saying that, like, she almost killed Octavia for that. Like she was at rage at odds with Octavia. Well, and I think there's a lot to be said about the the idea that, you know, Aja understands. OK, if you like Roke, I think you can get behind Aja. I like yes. she she <laughs> duty foremost, right? Like her duty Honor I do like Roke. Sorry. Right. You know, because like that's the thing is like Roke was on the opposing side, but no, a lot of people who like Roke are like, no, like he's not Adrius. He's not conniving, manipulative, mm-hmm. sadistic. Like there's nothing about Asha. I think she enjoyed what she did, but not because she enjoyed killing. I think she enjoyed being good. Right. I think she enjoyed being good yeah. at her job. And I think she was doing it with this conviction that she was on the right side of history. And as many dictators yeah. are want to do, <laughs> well, like, not that she was a dictator, but I mean, I think as many dictatorships right. are, they're like, like to believe that they're on the right side of history, delusions of grandeur, whatever. Right. Like, I, I think yeah. that aside, I, man, I, I think complicated history, um, a soft side that only really comes out around someone like Lysander, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a ton to be explored there. And I think it would sway a lot of people's ideas about her and Lysander, right? If you, you got to see that story, the coming of age. Oh, yeah. I, I know you were focused on Octavia, PJ, so I don't mean to like sway from that, no, but, but I think all, Octavia's all life shines a light on a lot. Oh yeah. On a lot of things that we don't really get to appreciate 
inside the series. We get to speculate on it, but it's not fully explicit. You know? Yeah. And we'd see Moira. I think that's the other part of oh. using Octavia's perspective as the lens to see the rest of the Furies. Like we see uh-huh. a young Atalantia, we see mm-hmm. Octavia, or obviously we see Octavia, we see Aja, and then we see Moira. So Moira is given no time and gets no further explanation outside of basically being decapitated and that she was a you know political whisperer. So I think she was melted, actually, now that I think about it. Oh, God. Uh, with, the, with the pulse fist. It was a pretty bad time. Pierce doesn't Shot in the rib cage a bunch of times. Yeah, it was a bad, <laughs> it was a bad time. <laughs> yeah i'd be down to just be in the book just to do that though like janelle the howler and then oh she got melted i'm like oh but there <laughs> but was my was one there. line <laughs> and i'm dead <laughs> yeah. yeah but you remembered how i died so yeah fair, that's right, cool. fair point fair it's point. canon all you got is a shout canon. to the wind okay puffin puffin's melted isn't that like the sovereign road anyways <laughs> the no <laughs> the road to sovereignship is a lot of Possibly. meltings including <laughs> the howler melting pot oh anyway um i was just thinking about the lilaf the the heating the of the fucking uh, boiling um who alive who is who was killed there min min wolf min and, min. yeah the wolf but it was min yeah. min and a couple of other howlers what, clown? Yeah. No, no, no no clown and pebble are missing um <laughs> but uh i would go with though for my novella pitch i want to see we get this well detailed but i want to see these specific moments i want to see this like really felt out i want to see the conflict between nero and house bologna and i want to see beginning to end Ooh. that entire story actually given its full weight um i think that that also sets up in a great way if you had that as a novella to kind of insert into the story wherever you read it, it would lend a a lot of intrigue into the fact that like even Cassius and Mustang were dating for a while because there's that entire side of the relationship that's very messed up because that's like their families intermingling has been a problem in the past. So, you know, that's very much rival families. And I, I just think that that is such a tragic conflict. Obviously, we already know the end, so that's its own thing. But I think that that could use like a little bit more detailing, and I think you could really add a lot to the world with with like just a little turn of the wrench. I kind of feel like this is your backdoor way of getting Lorne in because I, I feel like this is going <laughs> to be a, a third yeah. person past tense narrative, <laughs> and the unnamed narrator is actually Lorne. <laughs> He's like, let me tell you a tale of really bad political consequences, my sons. <laughs> it's a great call. So, as narrated by Lorne, the yes, tragedy exactly. of Iona Bologna. <laughs> I like that. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, Lorne's tale um, and recounting of that really did kind of wet everybody's whistle, so to speak, uh, yeah. and give them a taste for that. That So to see that vetted out, and uh, I agree. I like that. Yeah. It's, I, yeah, I'm in. That's, I feel very Game of Thrones y for that. I'm in, and I'm here for agreed. it. Agreed. That, that is like a Game <laughs> of Thrones tragedy almost, like stacked oh, yeah, inside of the story. Battling families and. I'm here for it. I'm here for all the grapes. So many grapes and mouths. <laughs> PJ just wants an explanation as to why Fitchner's mouth had grapes in it. It doesn't make sense. Yet. It- <laughs> <laughs> He's still stuck on that. It still doesn't make sense to me. The grapes made sense in context with 
the previous mm-hmm. story. Oh. It just became his like murderer's Wait, calling right. card or something somehow. Like that doesn't <laughs> track for me. The House Augustus calling card. Yeah. I mean, and that probably makes the most sense, but But he's not an Augustus. <laughs> well, but Adrius pulled it off. So So did Roke. But I mean Roke is really an accessory to the whole thing. Sorry, just... now I'm like mind blown. I'm like, wait, you're right. Why the grapes? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Fair, fair enough. Are there Did... any other novella? You should go with kiwis because <laughs> I didn't get to use that earlier. There are no grapes. Now I'm going to try to get kiwis. kiwis. Strawberries, like, let's go. <laughs> Suddenly the kiwi cast. <laughs> There's so many. I mean, Cross, like, I, I, I can think of so many other stories or novellas or you know what's really interesting is with as many stories as you could tell in this world right yeah it it like i can keep thinking of them these all feel like things that if we ever get a tv series could be explored right vignettes things back yes. f- like flashbacks and mm-hmm. and and subtext and things like you can get from something like that that you can't get necessarily from a book or or another medium i feel like that is uh i mean that it's rife with the potential to explore a lot of these things that were left out of the books i think that's what will separate a series from just just a retelling of the books right elevate i i think you're entirely correct and i also think that is the space that a tv series should occupy is really an expansionary one um, like cut you can cut some of the minor details like you can just cut leah's character entirely out of the story and no one would care um <laughs> oh, they wouldn't know they wouldn't care uh, <laughs> they would well hot I mean, take alert <laughs> it could just be a girl in the distance and he's like i like her and then she gets ran over by a horse and he's sad and that's the same thing right like what other character building leah is very fridged in the story let's be real she's that's a very true. fridged female unfortunately but yeah anyway i do like lee i'm not shitting on that entirely because i also like roke so i have to like at the very least sure well (laughs) i didn't just roll her firmly under a bus but you know i I got another horse we we probably don't have time for it but i I have another hot take for you (laughs) talking about as many hot takes as you want let's do it let's do it i say with the tv series don't just cut lee out cut the whole first book like just I'm sorry. Hey, we did that institute thing and whatever. No, I mean, you know, it happened and it's important Mm -hmm. and we'll revisit it. But I mean, Hunger Games happened already. And that's basically you do start with that and everyone's going to be like, oh, this is a Hunger Games ripoff. Just don't do it. Just don't go there. Right. And like, I think it's deeper than that. But my thought is you start the series after that, you start it with Golden Sun. And then the subtext and the background and the history of everything that happened in book one becomes apparent and is explored in the first season. But from the perspective, the Mm. current timeline that we're in is Golden Sun on. And we don't know that Darrow's a red. And the viewers who haven't read the books don't know that Darrow's a red. And that reveal is, I think... That's TV shit right there. That's like some that's some cliffhanger. Like what? Daryl's a red. What? <laughs> you first first three or four episodes, you totally think Daryl's a gold, and then you find out when he has a meeting with Harmony or something like that. Right? That then suddenly you're like, oh shit! I've got Daryl's not who we think he is. I've got a hot take. Well, he does reveal himself to Severo. So or, yeah, that. no, that's it. This, that yeah. that thing. Yeah. 
I've got a hot take that builds off of that. I think if you cut out the first book, nobody fucking cares about Severo. <laughs> oh, I don't no, think he matters. No, 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 no. at he, all to the character to the to the audience. He really shines though in Golden Sun. Hmm? I feel because he did save Darrow on after the gala. Yeah. So, but not as like not in a super I mean, prominent character way, and his his entire personality isn't. His entire personality is based on the first book. If someone's not winking off in the bushes, then what? Severo's I say, shining moments. I could moments. say that it builds. I'd argue that Severo, for me, didn't really click I mean, until Morn- book three, honestly. Morningstar. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's when I'm like, okay. oh, I love this kid. Like, that's where he came to life for me. I, up that's until fair. then, I was like, you know, he's just the Goblin of Mars, right? He's just kind of a quirky, weirdo character but comedy violent the moment they fought and then like like reconciled in the hallway like uh of morningstar right there on intinos and that was the moment for me where it was like i was so worried that whole book was going to be like a harry potter book five type situation where it's nothing but just like Mm. two boys complaining and fighting the whole uh, book like i don't have time for this there are way bigger things going on right here like and the fact yep. that they got over their shit they put it behind them and they moved on and there was no they buried it and they, there was nothing left although i think it's clear later on there may have been some things left but for the most part they left it behind in the story like that that's where i was like all right cool i'm sold Severo's dope like he's kind of wild and unpredictable and his elements mm-hmm. of chaos in the story is a breath of fresh air. Yeah. yeah. You guys, we wouldn't have the Howlers without him. He is the OG. He was the one who went out and... Got the wolf cloak. You know, got the wolf cloak yeah. and then got the whole Howler pack. But you could. So, but you, hot take, I argue he's Howler 1. But so. you could through, I mean, the magic of editing in... Uh, a season one of uh, <laughs> Red Rising, the series. Like, you could totally. Like, when mm-hmm. you first meet Severo, like, you don't really know who this person is. I don't think you need the context of the first book when you first meet them. There's so much action in Golden Sun. Like, the first few chapters, like, there's mm-hmm. so much that happens. I think you could start there, but then through, like, flashbacks or, you know, context clues, kind of establish, like, everything that happened in the first book leading up to a reveal of who Darrow really is to Severo. And that moment would hit really, really hard. You know, and I actually could see that too. I, I'd take it slightly differently. Just mm. just a small change. I think that I would do the Institute as the first half of season one and the Academy as the second half. Um, and that way we get we get kind of like a fill out of like why the spacefaring shit matters. We get like a little bit of those moments of like intense violence mm. as we understand the culture, just like a little bit. Um, and that but way you still skip the first also, part of book one. That's the first episode, like just the first episode is like that entire like you sequence mean, of like the death of EO going into the carving like that mm. is oh my goodness. that is your so kickoff gonna, are, of the first episode. Are you going to carve in season in episode two then? I think you carve it in episode one. It's going to be like a rock with him monologue. on the table. <laughs> I mean, basically in episode two, that's, that's what he's coming out of the other side. You're like, holy shit. What the fuck happened to that kid? And then, yeah. You mean like Darth Vader coming up? Right. And, uh... That's okay. So, <laughs> so, so again, this is just me putting my producer hat on my, yeah. my, my, uh, I would totally make the video of his carving. Like, I would cut all of that out of the story until the point at which, like, he showed, like, people see it. 
right? That's like, a good that point. they find yeah. out yep. that he's carved in in a TV series. I feel like that reveal, the reveal to Severo and the reveal to like the public that he is a red carved to be a gold would hit yeah. so hard. You'd have like every blog talking about it. Like, I think in a book it works, but like in a TV series, I think all of that stuff. That's a good twist to keep. I like, think so. I think you hand. want yeah. a little bit of that. And I, and I, I'd, I'd be curious to explore the ways that those, his relationships with the golds. It would endear you so much more to all of the characters in the relationships that he has. The only thing there where you get kind of sticky is like anything to do with dancer or harmony. But I like your idea of starting with the Institute, then going to the Academy because he goes so long without any contact from anyone of that world that literally the first time he does, you as a viewer would be so confused. Like, what? wait, what? No, he's a gold. Severo Why knows? is he talking to these yeah. people? Like, what's right. going on, right? And then to find out that he's red and him revealing it to Severo, I think would hit really, really hard because, yeah, yeah you're right. There's a long mm-hmm. period of time in which he has no contact with anyone from that world. He's just gold. Yeah. That would be the season one finale. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's the season yeah. one finale. Wait, I'm seeing this. And I can also see, like, um, I know you brought up Hunger Games and you know how they did, like, the history or whatever. And I could see that since after the Institute, since it's, like, recorded and stuff, that you would put, like, little promos out and we could get context back then, you know? That's but we don't need call. to actually, yeah. like, be live and see it. Like, look at Starship the number Trooper one. style. Like, yeah. intercutted, like, 100%. fucking commercial yeah. clips inside of the series. That'd be <laughs> wild. <laughs> well, you got to like roll into like the hollows and the politics yeah. of everything yes. and like media is a huge thing. Sorry, uh, total rabbit hole, but that's that's great. I'm, no, I, no, I no I'm like, ready to like PJ, do my treatment of this it. and just send it to Pierce and be like, all yeah, right, look, right. we figured it out. Here you go. We got it. We got on the words <laughs> of Whiskey Show. We, we, we had a beer. We figured it what out. What do you name the show then? Call HBO. Let's go. Because I don't think you can call it Red Rising and expect people to be surprised. Ooh. No, you can because the rising is happening in the background. Okay. It's still happening. The red mm-hmm. rising is a thing un, untied to Darrow. Okay. And then I would like to propose that we don't hide Darrow's like pre-gold perspective, but don't tie them together because he looks like a completely different person. So we have a shifting back and forth oh. and we don't know as viewers that it's time jumping which is back and forth between a red and a gold character Damn, right that's like the PJ? that's like the first episode of chernobyl oh. yeah yeah good call he just got it he just got it locked you, in and we're like oh my gosh that's you're him like, this whole time i thought red rising was talking about this terrorist group that's like rising in the society that's like creating an uh-huh. uprising against the gold society and our main character who we love is this gold character darrow who's like kind of altruistic and a reformer among golds and is like Oh shit! They're the same person. Like that's the end. Of episode one is the hanging, then, and then the end, the beginning of episode two. Is yeah, the we see this the red all side, and then like we don't get the connective tissue until later. That stitches those two ideas together. It's like we're a writer's room contributing. All the people who put that together would feel so smug. feeding them. <laughs> you can never <laughs> name it from episode one. You can never let Darrow's name be said as an as a red though. That's true, because he kept it. No, instead, what you would do is you do the uh, the Andromeda's Reaper. name, the Andromeda's name Cute. that he was given, because he did have a name that was given to him by Dancer, and then he can take the other name later. Okay, because there was a name he was given, Al Andromeda's, but there was a first name. I don't recall what it is right now. 
Well, this one has to do with the sea. I would that call sounds, Gold him Darrow, right. and I would call the other version of him Reaper. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like, because he's known as the Reaper, and he he is known for that after the Institute, and that's where we're starting. So. It's so, tough. It's a, we're not there yet. We're not, we got to workshop yeah. it a little bit more. <laughs> got to workshop it we'll a little do a bit. Focus but, we're, group, we're on, but we'll get there. I think, <laughs> I think the speed we're in a good bump place. that I'm most curious about, I don't understand how you're going to surmount the fact that anybody who Googles it or listens to a podcast doesn't immediately find out everything <laughs> and the entire. It's because we're not releasing this ruined. <laughs> and we as content creators are going to go on like a campaign to educate everybody about what's really going on. Well, the thing is, is like, I point. mean, okay, so, I mean, Game of Thrones came out and I had not read all the books and I definitely didn't Google all the plot points of, of Game of Thrones. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's Everyone the should idea. have known that the Red Wedding was coming, but no yeah, one did. I didn't know the Red Wedding was coming, for sure. Ooh, I'm the worst. I actually watched it because of that scene. And I was like, what is this? This is... I, that's also a good and reason to get into it, it you know on the same side of things the dead yeah, horses the are their own moment right yeah. which is Everyone why i didn't want to cut if the you're into a tv show you just stay off the internet that's just what you do you just don't go on the internet. team <laughs> no hype team no hype spread team no hype yeah oh i feel like we i i want to like get to the tv show at some point but i feel like we we killed it right here um in terms of how we would pitch the first like <laughs> the first season basically um do you think though that maybe the series extends into the do you think it only covers the first trilogy or do you think we go into the sequel trilogy at this point uh i think we'd go the series yeah because there's a time jump and like aging actors and everything else like what do we what do we wait think? 10 years uh, you know yeah, i you think just waited they... out i agree with pj <laughs> like a whole, uh, whole like boyhood thing like yeah. just yeah. you hire if richard leaglander to like make your like your tv series <laughs> if there's one thing i know about hollywood is they're completely willing to pass up profit in order to wait out a story and yeah. and make it yeah good. yeah you're absolutely right super duper jeremy's correct yeah, they, they didn't rush star wars out or anything no they value art above uh profit <laughs> Speed. you're right so no i i think um i think you do and i think the time jump is pretty easily explained with a little bit of makeup and like it, 10 years isn't that much yeah. for adult characters right. for someone who's going from mm-hmm. you know early 20s to 30s like that yeah. it's a significant time but like you can weather someone plus you can dial back their age a little bit in the first series these days i mean deep dial up are, the age even yeah yeah exactly yeah you could just say that right. they went to a carver okay yeah. I mean, they could sure. shoot the first, um, I would guess that the first three books probably wouldn't be three seasons. I'm guessing they'd probably do the first three books as like more if they could, like four or five mm-hmm. seasons. I could see. I think especially it. the third book has to be two seasons. Like it, it splits in half so well. Yeah. And but, then once yeah. you get into the fourth book, like, I don't know that they would skip 10 years to be honest like i could if i was doing a tv series i don't know that i would skip 10 years i think i'd probably fill in the blanks a little bit and like maybe weave kind of like the end of morning star like at the end of one season and like what the context of what's happened there's because there's so many timelines in or not timelines so many perspectives in iron gold mm-hmm. but i feel like it's gonna be hard to do that without some context. How do you do packs then? Back to the conquering of Earth thing that, or not rather, back to the like timeline jump that we're talking about in that space. I want to see the conquering of Earth, of Earth back to the novella idea. Like that sounds like a great time. That ten year space where they captured Earth, 
Um, there's yeah. so many battles that happen there. Yeah. Did you just say that sounds like a great time? A great time for <laughs> us as viewers, but not for everyone else. That's a good point. Fair point. All right. As Earthlings. Sorry, I Earthlings. <laughs> this is the whole point. <laughs> I'll teach you to invite me on your show. How dare you? <laughs> Second time in a row. Well, we aren't bringing up guests on this time, though, so we're, <laughs> we're outside of that. Regardless. Yeah. Man. There, there's just so much to do with the TV series, and I think that, thankfully, because of the way that Pierce has written it, we can fill in a lot of those spaces. Like, that's the gift that's kind of given to the TV writers eventually is there's so much to play around with in the mm-hmm. sandbox that people would want to see that I don't think anyone would be upset about, like, some drop details if they got more of the other things. Oh, totally. I think yeah. there's always going to be people upset about drop details, no matter what. Well, there's always, always people upset about everything, PJ. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You, you cannot appease everyone. Let's talk death, though. Dark Age and the series as a whole is filled with a number of very critical deaths at different moments. Uh, when we hit the end of this book, the body count is incredibly high across the entire series. We had whole death pool predictions inside of our show. Um, but there are plenty of our main heroes left standing. Who do you think should die but hasn't? I struggle with this question a lot. Lysander's too easy. You can't do Lysander. <laughs> Fine. That's low-hanging fruit. Don't be lazy. <laughs> I tried. I tried. <laughs> that was good. So for me, this is a hot take. I'll, I'll go first. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, book twos for Pierce have a very formulaic approach to them, very much like Empire Strikes Back. Totally. And by the end, you find that despite your gains in book one, you are Mm -hmm. very much on the back foot. And you, especially in Golden Sun, I mean, it's that's like really obvious. Um, I think Mm -hmm. he tried to change the formula a little bit for Dark Age and just sent everything to hell instead of just the good guys. (laughs) Um, Right. So I think you can actually <laughs> have a little bit more balance in losing an additional good character. And my hot sure. take would be Severo. Uh, so say we all. Yeah, I, I think he served an amazing purpose. His narrative uh, throughout up to this point is great. He, he sort of pieces out in a way. So I don't know if I choose Severo, but he's one of my options. The other one is Cassius. And I think I would actually ultimately land on Cassius. I, I think that uh, he sort of waffles, right? He's like, good, then he's bad, and now he's good again. And and I I, I kind of grow tired of that back and forthness. So I think when in the end of Dark Age, instead of sort of rescuing and uh, you know lifting Darrow off, maybe he could have made the sacrificial death move uh, and kind of had a redemption arc and just ended it there. You'd have needed like 50 more pages to pull that off, but I, mm-hmm. I don't disagree with that. Yeah, well, I mean, you had 800 and some call. odd. Why not 50 more? Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> just, you'd have to build him up because he is kind of like he's not he's not do a sex because it's planted throughout the entire story. But like, he, yeah, he shows up at the last second. So, yeah. OK, I, I think I agree most with the Severo opinion. I think that Severo can die and, and almost it's upsetting in a way because when I think about kind of the the metaphor between Darrow and Severo is that Severo is choosing to be a family man at the end of Iron Gold and Darrow is is choosing instead for the Republic. Severo to die also lends credence to the fact that Darrow made the right choice to not go back, which is kind of kind of messy with the way that I would hope that Darrow would think at this point in life. But mm-hmm. yeah, I also think that 
we could we could do several could die to your to your good person point <laughs> let a good guy die other thoughts well i was gonna say cassius as well but i just think that yes he came towards the end and i guess he had like a conversation with virginia since she's the one who brought him in but i think that might be setting him up more for the next book yeah um to have that whole redemption arc and then he was good after all. So I'm going to have a weird random one and say Kavix because he almost died, uh, but he did not. Wasn't Daxo enough? He's walking with it. <laughs> Haven't really, the Telemannus is suffering for me. And I'm really sad about it, but because, you know, Virginia's my girl, but I'm just going to, I think that she needs to stand on her own too. Yeah. And I know that she has leaned on the telemannuses and that um, he's advising her and still advising her and grateful that he survived those wounds. But it could have easily been OK, though. Don't hate me. Sorry. <laughs> that, was, that was my pick as well, <laughs> actually. PJ, you were going to say that, too? Yeah. yeah. What's what's your reason there? Um, You love Cavax. Very similarly. I, I think I do, too. I yeah. think it <laughs> leaves sort of a spiritual guide for virginia a little bit mm. much like lorne in the same way that lorne is for darrow yeah. yeah yeah exactly um but i guess that leads into mine i think virginia should have stayed dead whoa oh virginia stayed dead well she did she die quote <laughs> died <laughs> yeah. quote during the, everyone thought that she was dead during the day of yeah. red doves uh, from a right. media perspective but so i think oh. and yeah, we more oh, more really? for me I didn't get that payoff that she was back for what three weeks, four weeks. <laughs> I, you were like on the hook for that hang for that like for three weeks. I think yeah, yeah, in mm-hmm. the show. Um, PJ, what would that what would that do for the story in your opinion? I think what it would do is completely change how Darrow has to go forward because he is now a single father. Ooh. I don't know. Um, I think pairing Ooh. that with he's killed two of his wife's wives. Yeah wives there's that there's there's the guilt that will come with it with him not being there husband of the year there's, there's a whole lot that daryl will just put on himself <laughs> that will be very very just tragic and emo and however else you want to put it <laughs> um but it will dramatically change his course of action and that'd be a fun motivator i think oof um, that, Dang. that cuts, dude. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Ooh, Mathar, I'm waiting for this one. So are we saying, I have to clarify <laughs> something. Are we saying that who should have died in Dark Age and hasn't? Or are we just saying like who? Or in the series. Next. Okay. Yeah. Like I, I, Either like should have died before, should die in the future. I mean, you're not going to like my answer, yeah. but uh, Darrow. I think they're that's book six for sure. That's that's yeah. a reasonable answer. I think, <laughs> actually, I think that's not even a hot take. That's like a regular take. Yeah, I just <laughs> that's so funny. My favorite thing when we had Pierce on was Jeremy was like, "So when's Darrow dying in book six? <laughs> and I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, Early. it's not very creative, I guess. But uh, I, I don't know, dude. I can't think of. You worded the question in a very specific way. Who should have died? Mm-hmm. 
or who should, whatever. Call, call it as you will. I was talking past tense, not future. But well, I mean, know, name, name who should die, not should yeah, have. Sure. It's not the have, yeah. it's the should. Not yeah. who would Dang. you kill, who should die. <laughs> I love being torn apart for grammar. This is my entire life. No, no, no. So. I'm not being torn apart. I'm just saying like, that's where my brain is, right? This is like, who should die? Well, Darrow should die. Like, Darrow... Yeah. <laughs> Darrow deserves to die. Like, Darrow has killed millions. He's led many people to their deaths. I mean, he is... And over, like, the... You know, let's face it. Like, he's done this whole thing. Like, he didn't care about, like, equity or uh, reformation or any of that stuff. Like, he cared about EO and was pursuing this mm-hmm. whole thing as part of EO's dream. So... While it's much bigger than him, the fact that he should live while so many die is an offense to me. Like, he survives Mm. so much shit and so many good people die. I mean, he flipped the switch on Orion. That shit fucked me up. Orion was somebody I loved. I loved that character. He flipped the switch on her. And not that he had any other choice, But did he give himself another choice? Like, he put Orion in a position to be captured, to be tortured, traumatized, and then he put her back on the bridge. Like, he makes these choices because of what he needs in the moment. And people fucking die. He is the fucking Reaper, right? Death is his shadow. Truly. If anybody should die, it's sterile. You, you've, like, nailed my argument as well for the, uh, at the very end of Dark Age and something that we were building to even, like, our Iron Gold episode. BJ didn't know this. You also didn't know this because you hadn't read into Dark Age yet, Mather. Uh, but, like, the idea that the Reaper dies is a huge deal at the end of Dark Age. When that scythe breaks, that's when I'm like, hopefully that is the death that is the, that is a signifier that Darrow is going to have to go through change again in order mm-hmm. to win this war. And it cannot be just one of sacrificial lamb after sacrificial lamb to make the goal happen. You're and saying the Reaper needs to die. So the, the Darrow I think, I think, well, I think the Reaper died so Darrow could survive and then Darrow has to sacrifice himself because he has to. Yeah. You know, like I think Darrow yeah. does die to your point at the very end of the story. Uh, but I think. That, so you think Darrow's dead and not the Reaper? No, or I think the, I think the dead? Reaper died at the end of Dark Age with his defeat from Lysander with the breaking of the scythe. And what I'm saying okay. is that now he has to choose to go back to his friends and let, like, the group lead and, like, think together because Mustang was always the best tactician. Yeah. Severo did a great job playing the back alleys. Like, you need to play all of your cards in your hand, not right. just your own aggressive hand. I mean, he had a freaking heart attack. Right. So. Like, because he was just <laughs> playing the aggressive card, which is all of Dark Age uh. and Iron Gold. So now the Reaper dies. We we can hand off that torch. He, that can be done with. And Daryl can go, oh, shit. I've been doing this wrong for a decade and I fucked up. And then at the very end, he's like, okay, the yeah. only way to make this work is for me to burn out. He's like this military savant who's done a really, really, really bad job of being a military <laughs> savant. Like he's, <laughs> he's gotten lucky so many fucking times and at the expense of so many characters without Daryl Ragnar would be alive. Right? Like I, I, I fuck that fucked me up. I'm sorry. Like Ragnar's death is the so one I would like, I want back. Huh? Yeah, what? so he did okay, the rogue, like I mean, <laughs> that's a whole like that's a whole different made his bed, yeah, yeah. you know? Like yeah. he he I I'm not a hater on Roke. I feel like Darrow made Roke's bed, but No, okay. come on. Darrow Roke is like bed. an elitist privilege. <laughs> no, I feel like I mean, think about Roke is totally like um magic is might, right? He's truly like, "Hey, we were born to rule." Like that is fuck that shit, right? Like I just mean that like 
Roke knew what he was doing. Right? He knew the risks. Ragnar, Roke did know poor what he was doing. Ragnar, so innocent yeah. and yet so bold and brave and like naive. I mean, he yeah. comes from a background where he's been lied to his entire fucking life, made to believe someone like Darrow is mm-hmm. a literal god. That's why he followed yeah. him in the first place. And then eventually his eyes are open, but too late. That's a tragedy. Yeah. That's so fucking tragic. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I would take that one back and trade Darrow in a heartbeat. But w- that's without me. Darrow, yeah. his eyes would never be open. And his entire As existence well. would be uh, an enslaved killing machine. Let me ask you this. Is it possible that without Darrow, the rising still would have happened? Maybe. I don't think so. They 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 tried. I think so. They had they had multiple irons in the fire, so to speak. On a long enough timeline, it happens. I, I think that that's the reality. If Darrow had died earlier in the story, if Darrow died in Morningstar, no, I don't I think, think it does. maybe Ragnar would be alive. Ragnar might be alive, but I don't think they win. You know, like that's the tough part to like call out there because they were clearly when they when they sail on Luna at the end of Morningstar, they're clearly undergunned. Like they're. You know, they are they are going to be destroyed by the combination of the Armadas when they're surprised on the other side, which is why their gambit to kill. God damn it. I said the word again uh, to kill. <laughs> Do we have a counter? Can we get a counter on uh, gambits or in that series? <laughs> Good time out. Uh, I, I was doing so well for like two episodes, um, <laughs> which is not so well. Um, but but the entire idea of like the way that they went about getting Octavia and killing Octavia and ever and Aja and whatnot was a move that was just very singular in purpose. It was very much to take out the leadership to hope that everything else would fall apart, that they could pull something out of the ashes. So I I think I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to put in something here. We already had a time where he wasn't around when he was captured by Adrius. Yeah. And did it do OK? It didn't. So. Well, Severo was still... Like, I feel like for some reason they needed him, you know? You know what? You're, you're right. I mean, I'm not here to question... Pierce's Severo is a piece of shit. You're right. Writing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say... I love Sorry, Severo. I yeah, I'm not here to question, like, <laughs> Pierce's decisions, yeah. but, I mean, he did pull Ragnar out of the hat, right? Like, this is clearly, mm-hmm. like, not just like, oh, this oh, has 100%. to happen. But I, I don't mean I would trade Darrow's death way earlier in the story... But I mean, I would like trade Darrow and the rest of the story to have Ragnar back. <laughs> and that's strictly emotional, right? That's a, strictly an emotional response. But but I, I found Ragnar to be like a, such a ray of hope in the mm-hmm. story that when he died, that was kind of it for me, right? Like I, I, I've felt very little hope for the finale of this thing since then. It's all kind of been downhill, but that's because it's a tragedy. That inherently is what it is. It is a tragedy, mm-hmm. right? Front to back. Yeah, I, th- I think to to cross this point though, um, to kind of bring this full circle though, <laughs> with with Darrow, I don't think he deserves to die. You know, I think everyone's fallible. I think the sins of his past uh, are what they are. But yeah. when he tries to lay that down, when he uh, makes the pledge to become a better father and husband, I, I think what Book Six will hold is that that's impossible for him. I think that ever since he got carved, he's just been a war machine. And I, I think that's part of his tragedy is that he cannot fulfill uh, that need to be a husband and father. And if you wrap it up with him being unable to fulfill that, that's a bad storyline. <laughs> like, that, like that'll yeah. just that'll leave everyone with a bad taste in your mouth. So the only other opportunity is to kill the character. What if you 
What if you carve Ouch. him back into a red? <laughs> and then drop him back in hey, the mine. Hey, we want this back. Can you return this? <laughs> return, Darrow. <laughs> Your lease is up. <laughs> I mean, Lysander it, shows up to the mine for his third wife. Physically stops him from being able to be in battles like that. But why would you do that? There's it forces him to have to try to be a good father and husband. I, I think, I think you could argue, PJ, that being f- forced to do anything doesn't. I mean, it would depend. Does he make the decision to do that? And if so, is it because he knows that he can't stay away from battle? Because the more powerful resolution is probably him saying, "Yeah, I could, but I'm not gonna." Right. Like I'm right. I'm done taking the agency away. And in a moment in which he could choose agency, like where he could choose to put himself in front of the, in front of the battle. That's, is that, is it taking agency away if he's choosing to take his own no, it's, agency? It's a away? choice. No. Yeah. Well, you're right. Cause there's no world in which like someone else carves him back into red. I guess it's like, that's right. an Adria's thing. It's like a situational agency thing. Yeah, like a right. sick joke. Like, uh, you know, right. maybe Lilith, right? Like, she's just like, uh, yeah. turn you back into a red and you're going to have to watch your empire fall. And then he's like, that's fine because I'm a good father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what do you Pax guys think he me. wants though? Oh. Like, I feel like, what do you think in his perfect world? Does he want to be like Lorne on an island with Dara some griffins, like chilling? Let's be real. Daryl wants a daddy. Daryl wants someone to say like, oh, you're you're good just the way you are. Like needed that shit. You know, I think like Daryl has been lacking any kind of sense of I'm good enough as I am. Like, I think he's constantly trying to fulfill mm-hmm. some some concept of himself that isn't good enough. Right. Just just constantly looking for validation. I feel like it's why he's done most of the things he's done is like, is it good enough for my new gold family or my new gold friends? Mm-hmm. Is it good enough for like the rising? Like, who am I? That's the whole series. It's like Daryl brooding over like, who am I really? Yeah. And I, I think I've talked about this in the sequel series a number of times that I've made this point, but chapter three, the fantasy uh, in iron gold is the most overlooked chapter of the entire saga in my head, because that is literally the definition of what Darrow wants. Finally, mm. we get exactly what Darrow wants. We get exactly like what Mustang dreams of, what they all agree that they want, and, and yet they know that they can't have it because it is not such a clean world in which this rebellion has happened and they're not going to be able to, you know, push it in that direction. So it's it's a tough, tough spot to be in. Mm. Mm. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> on that massive down note uh, i think <laughs> um that a, a death that should happen in the story that hasn't we've we've gone through so many but i would really like for the god who was i thinking i actually had a decent answer to this why is my why am i blinking i want i wish that atalantia would have died in dark age because I think that that would have given a very different perspective of Lysander because it would have been locked into the political machinations of her and what she's doing. Um, because between the trio of like Apollonius, Atlas and Atalantia, all with a names too. That's extra <laughs> messed up. Um, what, what does he he's being pulled in three different directions, basically, by these three different magmanious personalities like. 
how how does he manage that? What do you what do you do? So I, I think that you have to eliminate one of the trio in some Otherwise, there, there's no way you can pay off each of those deaths so incredibly well, because I think all three of them have to die coming into the next story. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how you manage all that. So I feel like one should have died before. I agree with you. I think Lysander's on track for uh, a redemption arc. I think uh, that totally is, is, is yeah. I think, reasonable to expect something like that. Yeah. Especially with Cassius being alive, right? Like, I think, like, the idea of Lysander being on that path through to the end just doesn't really make any sense, in mm-hmm. my opinion. But especially because Lysander, I mean, you have to realize, I mean, that Lysander is traumatized, literally dealing with the trauma of watching his grandmother die, like, not having his parents, watching his grandmother die, his mentor, his friend die, and then being taken into captivity by someone on the like who's a traitor to their kind even though i think eventually lysander comes around to accept cassius for who he is yeah there's a lot of internal conflict there that is just taken advantage of by people like um atlantia atlas apollonius like from the it's like apollonius sniffed it out from the moment right that like uh, even I think even Lys- Lysander's internal monologue was like he's trying to like bait me right like he I'm going to yeah. owe him something if I take this mm-hmm. right? and refuses so it's like I think Lysander feels vulnerable all the fucking time and doesn't yeah. know the own machinations of the society from which he was born to be able to feel well like- then why speak on it that's my issue I just have issues with. Just having such a strong opinion. Fake it till you make and it, like baby. An un- that's it. <laughs> I don't that's agree like with how that. I mean, <laughs> you don't agree with it, but that's just, the reality. That is, yeah. Because <laughs> I think there's like this sense of like people like, dude, like I gotta. It's like, but you don't know, so yeah. But he's like, he's gotta feel like he knows. Like the thing is, is like in gold society, it's like you don't pretend you don't know something. You don't you don't admit that you don't know something. You don't admit that you don't belong there. Because the minute you do that, you're written off. Like he, he doesn't want to be a pixie. He'd be scarred if he could, right? Like. But the mm-hmm. thing is, is like in a different society or a different world, he would have been fine being who he is. But without that parenting, without that upbringing, without that foundation, how can he be? Right? He's just he's just also looking. He's like just Darrow's parent. All that privilege. I mean, oh well, that's true. I yeah. mean, like, <laughs> I mean, listen. Yeah. I was like, like mm. I'm just right. saying that, like, <laughs> yeah, you know it's hard because it's like you've been tossed around, right? You've been like right you know, pulled in all these different directions. So just it's to still your not point, a fair Crossland, hand for him. Yeah. Uh, it's not, but I think if you remove one of those voices or one of those influences at some point, mm-hmm. then it does make a big difference in his story. And and I think you kill the auntie here in the story that he's sleeping with personally. That's my choice. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, auntie. Yeah, I think that one makes the most sense. On Carlos, the wall sure. in the family portrait. Like, get rid of that for sure. Remove that from my brain <laughs> oh, immediately. What if Ajax kills her? How dare you? I hope so, actually. Out of, like, revenge. I, I don't even... Out of rage. I think that's reasonable. I mean, lover spat, right? That's another blow to Lysander, honestly. Like, the fact that, like, his childhood friend hates him because he didn't kill Cassius. Like, Gold Society's fucked up, y'all. Like, <laughs> I, I don't think that's the reason why he hates him. I think the reason he hates him is because he's fucking his, his fuck buddy <laughs> slash aunt. <laughs> His actual aunt. It's Ajax's actual aunt. 
Well, like, when does that happen? I mean, didn't Ajax, like, turn on him from the very beginning of, like, the minute he Dark finds age. out? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. That he's that's back. True. I mean, like, as soon as he finds out that he was a captive of Bologna, and, yeah. and or wasn't a captive, but, like, willingly went along with him, that's, like, where he turns on him. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. It's fucked up. There's no loyalty in that society. But doesn't he have some resentment, though? <laughs> doesn't he have some resentment, though, from Maja? I thought that he mentioned that a yeah, few times. Yeah, I think I like, think he might. Have. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And then I mean, it doesn't help. It's like you know, okay. And then you took my girl, so <laughs> my my girl aunt, our aunt. It's still a, okay. Awkward, but I didn't write it. <laughs> my girl. It's a very fluid society. It's. We've <laughs> <laughs> I mean, established. You made that this. comment a couple of times. <laughs> Very fluid, you know. Very. The rules are different. Yeah, they do discuss incest early <laughs> on. That on note. As being like a, a part, a, kind of an unspoken part of gold society at at one point, don't they? Yes, especially within the families. Like they're they're breeding people into the families. I think early on they discuss kind of the houses more in golden sun but it never really gets expounded upon too much right. because we lose some of the political intrigue of golden sun between that and morning star morning star focusing so much on the action we lose some of the world but that's okay mm-hmm. yeah but there's there's some of that it's just not quite you know fully there so let's talk about ships you know like because that's fun what relationships would you want to see given some time at any point in the series are there any that you want to see you fucking have a little boat how dare you you have a ship a little, a little fucking ship how dare you pj i like that pj <laughs> i think ship. it's obvious we were just talking about it like, like sander and atlantia right mm-hmm. you weren't just poor no, no. Like, <laughs> That's it. Clearly. That's the one right there. Yeah. How dare Clearly. you? You read my mind, Mathar. Thank you. Thank you. I'll see myself out. <laughs> I swear. Look, I... Rona and Alexander needed more time. I'm sorry. I wanted that. Mm. I fell for that. Yeah. I need that. I just would have liked to... I do. I'm like, you know what? Shoot your shot, girl. I mean, he liked you, too. <laughs> I wanted to see that. All right. And it was like an actual, like, it kind of just like took me back to, you know, like Severo, like a gold falling for a red. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were, they knew who each other was and they still, I mean, had feelings for each other. I wanted to see how that different gold and red um, interplayed, yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to mm-hmm. jump on board. I don't really feel like I got to know Alexander like enough to really say that but i did like rona i really wish that i got to know more of her so like some kind of relationship or perspective or something that like dive deeper into her like god imagine being like niece of the reaper right and like being oh yeah and or was she cousin i correct me if i'm wrong niece niece Niece. yeah niece Niece of the reaper and like having to live up to that among golds who are like mm-hmm. you know top tier physique wise mm-hmm. mentally wise like hard to compete with like and the fact that she attracted the attention of a gold i think says a lot about like but of arcos no less yeah like yeah mm-hmm. i think says a lot about like her force of personality her charisma mm-hmm. her abilities and i feel like just give her like like if we want to like ship rona 
give her like a few other relationships, right? <laughs> Let's see like everyone she's dating. Oh like, yeah, she good. she can play around. Rona can play That's around what I'm a little she's bit. Like, be able yeah. to, like, have she's her pick. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like right. straight to Alexander because I feel like you could do better, right? <laughs> Dude, she went for she went there though, and I'm like, you know what? Good for you. But she <laughs> like, she just I didn't like have you. like. She she didn't get to really like play the field. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. <laughs> so I'm actually on board with Janelle on this one. I I would have liked to Yay! see Rona and Alexander. I think it makes a lot of sense. But to kind of put a spin on it and actually address exactly what Mathar said is that I didn't know Alexander enough, um, and a lot of people felt his death a whole lot more than I did. I mean, Philip's favorite character in the series is Alexander and I just don't get it. What? And it's not like and it's not mm, something I where I don't I don't agree didn't with Rogue? the choice. How dare he? Yeah. It's Rogue. <laughs> Everyone knows it's Rogue. <laughs> but like <laughs> it's not that I don't think you can have that as your choice. It's just that I didn't actually feel it within myself. Yeah. And I think that um you know, getting to know him through exploring that that kind of relational side through Rona, I think I could have felt what uh, Pierce intended his death to do to the whole audience instead of just a portion of the audience. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I didn't feel him like a lot of people did. Cause I, I think you're right. I don't think we see enough of him and mm-hmm. don't really get to know him. I think that's why at least I can speak for myself and why I felt Alex's death was um, really tragic to me and why I like him myself I mean, he went back for people when the town was drowning, you know, and then he got his wolf cloak. And for me, I just wanted to see more. So I was like, really? And he died. And I also wanted to see more of him and Rona. So I just felt it was more tragic in a sense that he could have done more and there was more for him. And from what I saw, like he was trying, you know, he became pup one. And he just got his wolf oh, cloak. So for me, I just saw, uh, I fell for potential. <laughs> you did fall for potential. That's exactly. I fell for yeah. potential. You know, but that's speaking. But Daryl my... is prone to like impulsive kind of like uh, displays of affection and and grandstanding. I mean, valor. Yeah, yeah. it's like I feel mm-hmm. like that's Darrow's thing. Is like I don't want your death to be in vain, and like I weirdly admire you and want to be you, and like. <laughs> You know, like, that's Darrow's thing. I don't trust that shit. Yeah. Like, if you show me... Now, okay, so you just mentioned a good point, right? He goes in. He yeah. goes in. He does something... Like, talk about valor, right? He displays valor and honor and goes in and says, you know what? I'm down. And all we have to mm-hmm. go off is, like, Darrow's, like, impulse to say, like, yeah, Alexander will do this. And his death is, like, too soon and in vain and it hurts me. And, like, but I know he must do it. And I... Yeah. So, the, all that shit... But, like, just give me context for that, right? you just kind of like, I'm just supposed to believe it because of the situation. But if you give me a little context and then show me what happens, we don't have time for that in a book series. But, like, you know, to your point, Janelle, if I saw, like, mm-hmm. what led to that and mm-hmm. then saw kind of what happened, man, like, Alexander might be fucking incredible, right? Like, there, there may be like a whole side to him. And you're like, dang, his arc is amazing. But we just get this little glimpse of it. And that's it. That's all you have to go on is this sliver of his arc. But isn't that why it's so tragic, though? Yeah. And that's why I think people feel so 
so heavy for that. And the fact that Rona, you know, I remember this one line. It was like, and she's looking at what it could have been. Mm-hmm. Lysander like, reads that off of dang. her, which is even worse because he is the one interpreting right. that between the two of them. He's seeing that mm-hmm. like final moment between the pair of them. And that's like, that's fucky because Lysander knows that he's about to kill his cousin. And that's ooh messy. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with like, you, though. I think that it's like I think that it's like you needed like 50 more pages on Lysander to like really or not Lysander Alexander to give him mm-hmm. um, to give him kind of that that build a little bit just to give it a little bit more weight to your point Mathar right. well maybe that novella yeah. because he did get captured he got all his teeth taken out Shit and you know, right. he was in the- no one wants to see the torture right? novella though like no one wants to okay, see okay, that okay okay <laughs> we will skip that but just him saving people and meeting um some people that he's saving and stuff like that like yeah. during that time period something i would do you guys ever see the movie Cellular? Yes. <laughs> of course Chris I have. <laughs> yeah. And it was no, made at a time when like cell phones were such a fucking novelty. Like they were so new. They're like, oh, we gotta make a movie about cell phones. And like that's the whole thing. It's like people are calling <laughs> them landlines and this one guy has a cell phone. Like Chris Evans' arc in that film is like Alexander <laughs> comes in just like hot and heavy, brash, selfish, like I can do anything, I'm Chris Evans, I'm hot. Because I can call like, people on my phone that I have all the time. Yeah. But then <laughs> but he, he wasn't turns the... No, 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 I'm just saying like yeah. then he yeah. becomes like through the course of that film, he like displays the fact that he does have a selfless side and when faced with mm-hmm. like true horror, he like rises to the occasion and does what's right. Like yeah. that's the Alexander. So arc. give Alexander a cell phone, okay? <laughs> Damn. No, give him a, give give him him a, a cell phone. Film in which he like starts out as this selfish, brash, like gold ass fucking, uh, just your stereotypical gold asshole, mm-hmm. and then over Pristine the course of the porcelain film, toilet. Yes, yeah. and then over the course of the story is like begins to like identify with sort of that okay, we're all human beings and like, you know, people are in need and like, I'm going to rise and, and do this like very valiant thing and go out and sacrifice myself mm-hmm. for this cause that's much bigger than me. I mean, the fact that he's there in the first place is a lot, but yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. He didn't have a lot of options at that point. Yeah. So mm-hmm. anyway, well, I will give him a cell phone, and I will give him a razor, and I'll make it gold. Sorry for you the know? very obscure <laughs> reference. <laughs> a gold <laughs> razor. Maybe not so a gold razor. How dare you, Janelle? It will be not helpful in battle. It's called but... hollow, and it's just, it's just Alexander with a hollow. He's Stay like, on the phone, Rona, call me. You. He's in Heliopolis, and he's just, like, waiting, trying to, like, save this, like, red child. Look, he can save people and text back, okay? That's my type of man. <laughs> <laughs> awkward all right cool anybody else <laughs> so jeremy's ship made a lot of sense that was good <laughs> with janelle that was my ship it was the same ship <laughs> we're all coming on this ship guys <laughs> that's gonna be my ship too i'm gonna i'm gonna damn uh, it yeah that's yes. my ship too sorry i'm gonna i'm gonna yield my time thank you <laughs> <laughs> i yield my time um are we just talking in general are we talking the whole series? Because I've got one that pertains the whole series. Early. Whole series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Roke and Quint. I want to see more of that because that's Ooh. what Roke sources mm-hmm. as the 
the point where he stopped following Darrow was the death of Quinn. And we've had conversations about this. I'm sure we even brought this up last week because I, I remember thinking about bringing it up. I guess I don't know if I did or not. didn't, but I can, I can tell you that. Did I? Factually. No, we didn't. Oh, okay. We didn't. Bring I, it up. I remember thinking about yeah. this and like wanting to bring it up, but I didn't. But you and I have had conversations about this in the past where you basically just kind of dismiss the the fact that he says that. Like, no, he's just giving that as an, as, as an excuse. It's just because he's red. And I don't think that's the case. I think that plays into it. But I, I think truly had a deeper relationship than Quinn than what we see. And I think it sure. truly hit him hard enough to disillusion him from Darrow. And I'd like to see that. I... I'm I'm liking this uh, from PJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did yeah, unexpected men- out of the yeah. I mean, I've, I mentioned it a few times, but I, I know I mentioned it to Pierce off uh, off air, so to speak. That I I want a Quinn POV uh, if he could go back in time and rewrite the first book, and and it would have exactly what PJ is talking about right now. A lot more exposition between uh, she and Roke. It would fill out that arc a little bit better and kind of help everybody understand. Um, you know, getting stabbed in the back like he did and kind of some of those decisions. Now, ultimately, I think Roke obviously would have made the same decision because he's loyal to gold. So when he finds out that Dare was carved, he jumps ship anyway. But yeah. there's still motivation some for a different reason to, to PJ's point. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know what I want to see, though? I want to see a Roke poem because how can you be a poet without a poem? I've brought that up that a confuses a couple me. of times on the show and i totally have agreed with you over the last two weeks that i've talked about that and i'm like i know you know i don't think it i i think the poet mm-hmm. is a name given to him i don't think he calls himself a poet yeah well then i'm a supermodel i think <laughs> <laughs> that's a great point though <laughs> just saying um i i i think he likes poetry so people call him the poet I don't think it necessarily means yeah. that he writes poetry himself because that's not a game. He, that's not a name he gave himself or even referred to himself as it was bestowed right. upon him because of his love of poetry and love of literature. Wouldn't that be like poem lover? Yeah, but poet Maybe. rolls off poem the tongue. Boy. Is there like a poem? <laughs> you know? We're not, we don't call Darrow murderer man. Like, <laughs> Dude, but, genocidal um, actually, maniac. We call him the Reaper. Yeah, but I mean, it's essentially the same thing. Let's go back to earlier point. in this episode, please. <laughs> Re edit murderer man over every time we said Reaper. <laughs> but I mean, he is the Reaper, yeah. which makes sense, but yeah. I don't know how you could be called a poet. Without having a poem, but he stole his girlfriend's poem, so that's pretty good. Roken Quinn, though, Roken Quinn, I I do mm-hmm. I do like that. It's yeah. good. I would go and I would throw out there. Um, I want to see. This is like a total fictional. There's not a, a good basis here, but there's cl- there, there's like undertones of something between Octavia and Aja that isn't just a direct relationship. That isn't just like a subservient relationship because there's so much like back and forth. And give there that I don't think Aja would give Octavia. So I think there's something else there. I'd I'd plant that ship. That's fair. I could totally get with that. Damn, that's yeah. hot. I'm into it. It's a it's a hot take. <laughs> it is a hot take. That's right. Yeah. It's also literally like five decades older. Like there's a five decade division between the two of them. But if you're gold, I mean, who cares? 
Right. They live super long, right? Like what? Right. Well, she's like 111, I think, Octavia. Really? Over 100. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Dang, that's how old Bilbo was. (laughs) (laughs) Bilbo's fucked. It's interesting. (laughs) Well, he had the one ring. What did she? Oh, Carver's. Yeah. Yeah, she's better looking than Bilbo. (laughs) I will not have that. I will not let that stand. (laughs) Bilbo is the pinnacle. Bilbo slander on this podcast. (laughs) I got to say, Cross, I'm super pumped for the next question. This was actually proposed by Janelle, um, to be honest, and oh, which is which is super interesting because we actually made such a big deal <laughs> about food in the first half of our show um, mm-hmm. and like cuisines. So uh, really great. So thinking about cuisines, food, one of the things that we made a big joke of earlier on in our show is the importance of cooks. But we really joke. don't see a whole lot of in-universe food throughout <laughs> the series. What do you think these space-faring folk eat all the time? Mm. I'm thinking legit fancy stuff cooked on moon rocks. Maybe it'll give it a uh, spacey flavor. What's spacey flavor? We, I don't we know. know I, the hummingbird I eggs. Like, I mean, it's like true. And tongues. Pit yeah. viper stew and nice loaves of bread with razors in it. Mm, mm-hmm. My favorite. <laughs> Grapes. It's like candy with little mm. bits of razor in it. Grapes. Oh, how dare you, BJ? <laughs> you went there. So, yeah, what do we think their food's like? Look, I'm making a pit viper plate mm-hmm. surrounded with grapes. <laughs> and I feel like there's like space rocks. I feel like it's going to be like pop rocks. It's going to be like weird. Eat rocks. But it's happening. <laughs> Yeah, space rocks. I don't know. Have you had more no, space no. rocks? I haven't. But. She's got a point. Let's hear her. It's <laughs> so like Charlie Brown. I got a rock kind of thing, or what? Nah, dude. Like space rocks. Oh my god. Yeah, space rocks. <laughs> that's. What else are they gonna cook it on? I don't know. That's a drug. She's trying to say they don't eat. They it's just it's drugs. It's drugs for sure. I get it. <laughs> we get weirdly little description of their cuisine, don't we? Like we we know hummingbird tongues, yeah, yeah. right? Or is it hearts and eggs? Tongues, I thought it was tongues eggs. and eggs. Yeah, yeah, yep. So we we know that we get descriptions of like fish once in a while, but beyond that, it's pretty sparse uh, as far as what they're actually eating. We know that they're spending months at a time on a ship, so. They either have some sort of rudimentary farms on the ship itself to get some fresh ingredients or they're getting whatever can keep for months at a time. I would think they'd probably have, I don't know, some some form of a garden and maybe a small like livestock farm. Well, they did have tangerines. Tangerines? Yeah. Wasn't that on the trees? Yeah, the raw family. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tangerines, but you know what's weird? I out there in the rim. Continued, Janelle. Right. Yeah. I feel like the most cuisine that I've heard from were from the obsidians, actually, because they had like the spirit berries. That's a drug. Grog. Are we back on drugs? (laughs) That's a drug. Everything's alcohol and drugs for Janelle. (laughs) Where are we at now? (laughs) What up, guys? All right. Well, I'll I'll piggyback off of what PJ was saying. Is like they're on a ship for Mm -hmm. months at a time, and I think Mm -hmm. that this actually 
probably ties into what the common folk eat. Mm-hmm. Eat. Uh, so that's where I'm going to go with it. But I think MREs. Yeah. Right. Like I think probably most like fast food. I think like fresh prepared food is a luxury in this. Mm-hmm. At least on some planets, ah. especially on Luna, I like to think that like you know fresh made food is something that you can get on the higher levels of like Hyperion, right? It's like you can get yeah. that stuff in restaurants. But look at like Lyria, right? Lyria went to get a cup of coffee. That was a fucking like week's wages or some shit or day's wages. Like mm-hmm. like there's no way that a common person can't. can afford anything that's not an MRE. So my opinion is that there's probably a subset of people who are selling MREs, but like tailoring very like like sort of I would say exotic, but like very specific, like uh it's like fast food trying to turn okay, so it's the way that McDonald's like turns something fancy where they have like a fancy level of fast food that just Mm -hmm. it's not fancy it's all the same shit it's not good for you necessarily but Mm -hmm. they'll market it as such and so i think there's probably like a slew of uh you know corner stores food trucks whatever selling something that you take home and reconstitute right you take it home you reconstitute it it makes a meal but it's all sold as like pills or packets or something like that and i think the diversity of that is probably really wild yeah i I was just gonna say that sort of branches off into something that i brought up a couple of times uh recently and several times over the course of our covering of this series is that we are primarily exposed to like the top 1% of the highest society. Like we almost never see non-peerless scarred gold. So what we see are like the pinnacle of the pinnacle. And even then we don't get that much description of like luxury food. So you're probably right that most of what people eat are pretty, pretty not meager, but not like indulgent i guess i think i don't don't think it's rice and beans you know i I just think that in order for people in common society to have anything that seems at all like any kind of diversity in their diet with as many mouths as there are to feed and like the fact that there's definitely nothing fresh grown on luna Like I would well, they say, are gardening that, like, on Luna, but like, they are gardening, right? But like, there's no farms. Garden gardens don't feed you know hundreds and millions of people, right? Like, like I think there's gardening done there, but I think that stuff is for the elite, right? I think that's for yeah. like a certain mm-hmm. percentile of society. I think it's safe to say that most of the stuff that's imported has to be freeze dried, packed, right? It's shipped across, you know, from. Uh, Jupiter or it's shipped from Mercury or wherever. I don't know where the farms are like Venus, wherever, right? So it's shipped in and then it's sold and packaged in these really bright, colorful colors that appeal to people who have few few credits to spend and then they take it home and then they reconstitute it and serve it. Like it's like their version of like fancy food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we... That's true. I mean, we get some from the Laurel, right? And they were saying that they get shipments in and sugar cubes were like, right, yeah. We also get the meal from the raw family where they're basically eating rice and beans and like a very plain mm-hmm. filet of fish as like, and they're like one of the most prominent families in the, in the planet. 
Is it implied that that is like because um, the Ra are descended from like Asian culture, right? Generally speaking, there's there's implications mm-hmm. there. Yes. But they they talk about how yeah. their planet is experiencing some sort of famine. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They don't and have so their resources are not as plentiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even they and and that was kind of a point that made me really respect the Ra family more than more than I think I would have because they were willing to kind of be at the same level as the rest of their people eat very meagerly and very sparingly because their entire planet is experiencing a famine. They could easily have things shipped in, but they, they prescribed to sort of the iron gold way of, I don't know, kind of the, the shepherding versus the, the, the uh, subjugation that we've talked about a little bit in the last couple episodes. We should bomb their docks well, too. The practical slavery in you. That's their like whole. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, thank you like, for putting it into and- terms because I've I've been struggling with that for like a week now. With other people, the practical slavery in you. Like, oh god. I'm I'm not defending them and their actions. All I'm saying is. No, I, I love you. If I have to pick between, I couldn't resist it. Like their way of gold versus the society way of gold. I think theirs is the more mm-hmm. honorable. Humane. If you want to put it that way. I don't think it's right. Yeah. And that, but it's no. And therein lies like the crux of these this book series. It's like I'm falling in love with these characters. All of them are uh, oppressionists, <laughs> like for the most part. <laughs> like, they're pretty shitty people. Yeah, they're dictators. Like, oh man, get, you know that's why it's like not enough spotlight is shown on the people who, like, like I think that again, Ephraim's a fucking terrible person, but like he's part of the system and he's mm-hmm. fucked up and flawed, but like you know he's not a gold. And inherently, yeah. that just like endears me to him. It's like he's struggling in the same system that they all are. It's that whole uh, new leash, same collar thing. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's like mm, that. That definitely endears me. To it's a point, rough. though, I think that I agree with kind of your meta point on the sort of like fresh cooked meals being very secluded for specific times because it was late at night when uh in golden sun when darren mustang shared bacon and eggs right from a brown chef and it was a moment where you got to be like proud and cook a bunch of food and they weren't able to understand his language i think that that's i think that feeds into exactly what we're talking about that's like a moment where he can be like ah i'm having a good time i'm cracking some eggs i'm having i'm cooking fresh food right now right so so going on that tangent we know that he has a basically unintelligible accent being from earth (laughs) what accent do you think it is jeremy australian go <laughs> who are we talking about the brown the, the brown, brown cook, cook. The, the brown, brown cook? cook yeah that they couldn't in understand sun. <laughs> maybe a bacon and eggs. oh go. wow make bacon and eggs <laughs> make bacon and eggs for us as the brown chef uh, from i'm Earth gonna go with an accent south african accent <laughs> south african south african yeah. that's actually yeah it's not unreasonable. It's a, it's a very different. It's a weird dialect. It's very like. Uh, that's a good point. I don't think I know. En- I don't think we know enough. I went to school with a couple of girls from South Africa, and and they were unintelligible at times. So and that's not to like crack on on South African accents or anything like that. I'm just stating fact. <laughs> they I, were unintelligible. 
It's so Correct. it's <laughs> it's so tough because like there's so little that we know mm-hmm. about like we know that like the Nakamuras are um Pacific Islander, right? That's implied that they're Pacific Islander. Yep. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. The twins of the South Pacific. Wait. Interesting. Which they're not yeah, twins. Right. But that's right. You know. <laughs> Correct. They're specifically not twins, but the guns are the twins. Anyway. But I don't, yeah. I don't know that, like, we know Pinecone what cousins, cultures are <laughs> prevalent in, on Earth at this point. Plus, in 800 years of the society, mm-hmm. you'd have to think that, like, culturally, lines have shifted a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Irish. I'm going with Irish. Irish is the unintelligible one. Or Scottish. We'll go with Scottish. Scottish is worse. I was going to say Cajun. Scottish cook? Like, that's... That's funny, at the very least. <laughs> but unintelligible to who? Because I don't think that would be unintelligible to Darrow. That's what a good point. Swedish? That's a fair point. This is where we're in the problem. Okay, this is the issue that I have with saying something is unintelligible. Because it's like, unintelligible to you, Jeremy, is not unintelligible to them, right? It's just simply something right. that's foreign to your ears. So that's really what you're asking, is like, what would be foreign to both Darrow and Mustang's ears? And I, I think they even just refer to it as an Earth accent. I don't think they refer to it as anything yeah. specific beyond that. I wonder what an Earth accent is, It's though. fucking yeah. West Hollywood, dude. Accent? It's totally West Hollywood. <laughs> So like Dude, you so want like, women get eggs? off the thirty five? I'm like, these eggs are like thirty five credits. If you can believe it, what are you saying? What are you saying? <laughs> wow, I'm not allowed to do the yeah. accent, but you are. Okay, what are you doing here? I I have never heard anyone from West Hollywood sound like that, but okay. You've never seen the uh, the Californians. I can't. <laughs> totally I changes that scene, right? You'll never be able to read that no. scene and not think like the brown cook is just like, yeah, that's you want some bacon on these eggs or what? <laughs> That would be amazing and make that scene so much more. <laughs> you couldn't actually portray it that way because we'd all be like, what the fuck is this guy doing? But also- I'm from Earth, get in and not. <laughs> you very easily turned a, a, a like, nondescript scene into a hilarious moment of comedy. Crying. It's worth it. I think I, that that beats out my other answer of Pikey. Um, because I can't imagine anybody actually understands them. But yeah, that's that's a way better answer. I that's I. That is the right answer as far as I'm concerned at this point. That is the, that is the worst accent on earth. Just let me, let me tell you. It's just the, the California. Like, you can go one state over from California and people don't understand what you're saying. Yeah. I'm in Phoenix yeah. and all the time people are like, what are you talking about? What's that? What's can you that just mean? chill? Can you, like, add some syllables, like consonants yeah. to your sentences, please? Stop just calling a me dude. Bit. Can you stop calling me dude? Dude? Can you stop? Dude, bro, dude, <laughs> dude, bro, can you saw it? <laughs> That's the only way. I saw it. Saw it. Um. Anyway. Oh man. I've Other food this. opinions, Jeremy. Yeah. So, 
follow that one up, huh? Um, <laughs> got accents and food. Uh, so I kind of take it more from like a, a realist, pragmatic approach to the second trilogy. And we know the Raw family has famine. Well, one thing we know, like especially if we look at history and we kind of make something like World War II um, kind of a, a macrocosm, so to speak, we probably can elaborate that there's famine throughout. And that's because of, you know, things like blockades. I mean, uh, Leningrad was blockaded by the Germans and lost some six million people. Uh, people like the British use scorched earth policies uh, in order to cause a couple million people in Bengal uh, province to die. And, you know, all of World War II had something like 22 million deaths in it due to just starvation alone. So I think that you're what you're really going to end up with amongst these people I like the take on the MREs. Um, I kind of think it's just kind of basic wheat, corn, soybeans, potatoes, yams, you know, that kind of stuff. And your sugar, your dairy, uh, your meat is very, very scarce. I just imagined this when you were saying that, but like I dream of a pineapple yam in, in a Carver society. <laughs> like a pineapple yam growing underground. It's just like it spruits up the little like root and you yank it out. Anyway. Uh, but to your point, though, I, I think I think you're right. The pineapple ham, dude. Like pineapple I need to try ham. That. Like that, that actually like kind of mixes in my head really well. For some <laughs> yeah, reason, like a little hash, <laughs> a little, a little like sweet potato. Keep hash, it off my pizza. Th- oh, keep how off dare my pizza. you, first Janelle? But secondarily, Jeremy. Um, <laughs> to to your point, though, I think that bringing up history again, I I applaud you because I'm I'm the history nut on the show, and I have to and bring that in. But that would be exactly how Darrow would read those situations. It's like deprive them of food. Let's bomb that out, and that's that's just reality. Even if it affects the non the the citizens of combat, and like they try to reduce that as much as possible. But in the intro to Iron Gold. We know that you can't prevent those casualties. So, you know, and that level of scarcity and the need for creativity, I mean, that 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 inspires a lot that can shape an entire culture's cuisine for like generations, because it's like there's only so long you could do two, three, four foods without beginning to invent new ways to prepare it. Right. And like you take. Yeah things that are in limited supply or things that are in bountiful supply like corn. And then it's like, you find a way to do corn, you know, 12, 15, 20 ways. And then that becomes the basis for whole dishes, right? It's just, there's so many different right. ways we can do corn. That's great. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that could have been like, that could have set off a whole, you know, you, you go four Chain or 500 reaction. years in the future. Right. And it's like yeah. the cuisine is just completely reshaped by such a dramatic event that's yeah really fascinating so it, just in that sort of vein and in that thought process what is earth like at this point cuisine wise and it seems like mars is basically terraformed to the point where it is at the same level as earth mm-hmm. do do we still see the same level of livestock and farming and agriculture and in in general do we see the same cuisines on earth that we do now is that extended to mars i know we've talked a lot about sort of the outer planets a little bit and luna but i i don't think we've really touched on the main planets that can be terraformed to the point that they're essentially like modern day earth Hmm. i think pj particularly when you're at war and luna is the one calling the shots 
they're probably extracting every resource out of Earth they possibly can as part of a war effort. And mm-hmm. things like livestock and things like, you know, hogs or chickens or, or sugarcane are a lot harder to produce and, and require a lot more water um, than some other crops that are, you know, tubulars in the ground and things like that, like the, the pineapple uh, uh, potato that grows on pineapple yam. Yeah, oh, pineapple right. yam. I'm sorry. Yams. Yeah, get it right. So, pineapple so, yams. We need so, pineapple yams right now. So, uh, don't get it twisted, Jeremy. He was just testing his plosives in the middle of the podcast. Pineapple potato. Yeah. Pineapple potato. <laughs> so I think in in times like Dark Age, the governing authority just turns it over to the easiest to grow items and and just extracts the hell out of them from that local area. You know, but it's interesting because what if they're not in war? Let's 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 omit the wartime. Yeah. You know, like mentality. What if they're not in war? I think what PJ was getting at that I heard is is does Mars fashion itself being like one of the first terraformed societies, right? Like in, in planets and societies yeah. that built around the idea that like this planet's good to go. Let's do some shit, right? Let's I think the fact that you have carvers who are able to create basically genetically create like whatever they want, whatever they can imagine. I mean, I, I think they're doing what earth has done for decades, but also at like new levels. Let's get weird. Let's take these, mm-hmm. weird, like we brought back the arc, right? Let's do arc burgers, right? And this big patties or big chunks of steak, like with veggies. And, you know, I feel like in like a non like war torn society, they are farming, a lot of weird fauna. I think that is totally influencing their cuisine because it's yeah. like you have to imagine they have access to like fresh foods and, and farmed resources, but then also maybe even, I mean, we know they hunt for sport, right? So maybe there's mm-hmm. a number right. of really weird, like, you know, avian creatures or but there is like, you know, game creatures that they're hunting and that becomes yeah. kind of one of their luxury dishes. And so they're they're recreating like old earth recipes yeah. with new ingredients and totally the obsidians have Drake's. I want, I want a hydra and... steak real bad. There you go. Hydra <laughs> steak. I feel like hunting yeah. for sport also implies that there is hunting for food. I, mean, I, I feel like you. Yeah, that has to be sort of the evolution of it. I, I don't think you can have hunting for sport without also having a general hunting for sustenance. We we get the story about Nero hunting by running after his prey, right, in Dark Age, where he's like literally running after a beast until he gives up. So I think that that feeds directly into that, where it's like some people hunt for sport, but there's definitely still hunting collectively. That's yeah, that's a great point. Great. It's great hard thing to, to bring say up. that because like, I mean, not hard to say that, but it's, but that's it's a, also that's a gold thing. Not maybe a gold the rest thing. of society, right? The right. whole society is either privileged or you're subjugated. Like you either have a role that you play in the lower part of the pyramid or you're on top and then you can do the fuck you want, right? You want to hunt for sport. Yeah. You want to hunt for your meals. All of it's for sport because being gold is literally living like, you know, right. a, a privileged life. But, um, you know, there's not very many colors that live like the obsidians do, to Janelle's point, right? Where, like, they are isolated, they are segregated, however you want to look at it, and yeah. they must hunt to sustain themselves because they mm-hmm. are not given, they're not placed into the, the same, into society, sorry, they're not placed into society the same way that others are to fulfill a specific role that they know of. They're like meant to survive long enough to be farmed. Effectively, they are the livestock. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
Correct. Man, this thing sucks. This it's such a it, it's such a it's such a great question though because it's like, like there's a bread sorry. basket of like bread basket of like things to talk about around With like razors. other bread baskets yeah. crossing of things to talk about. <laughs> Bread basket. I've had so many bread baskets. Brasket, no, are, do those exist in this world? Is is that bread part of this brasket? question? What's a brasket? Can we all? Can we it all? It comes like... with razors in the institute. Yeah, we've established this. How series? No, you're right, Cross. I mean, like, it's a testament to I think Pierce's writing is that he's created a world that is it feel. That's the idea with world building, right? You want to fill in just enough details that it feels plausible. Because then your mind starts to automatically yeah. fill in all the things that aren't there, right? You can imagine mm-hmm. how everything works. That's that's great. It's what I love about world building. Mm-hmm. So before we wrap up, um, I I, I want to like pose out to you. Do you guys have another question that you want to talk about? Is there anything open in your minds that makes sense? I've got a final question, but it's you know, I don't know. It's it's an acceptable one. We were talking about like novellas and stuff, and I um. I was actually pleasantly surprised that we used other colors. And I did want to say that I want to learn more about coppers because we only have a few. They're middle Pliny, managers, you know, at best. upstanding citizen there. Pliny and was a gold. I would like to. No, I know. Oh, okay. I thought oh you, yeah. True, true, true. Yeah. But I, like... I mean, all the all the coppers that are introduced are not very nice. So. I just want to see a nice copper. <laughs> and I do, I just want to know what other colors do you think that we should explore more? Like Ephraim is a gray. We don't know a lot about it. Um, is there any other colors that you guys want to see explored more? Violet. Besides, We know Violet. Mickey. Do we know any others? Mm-hmm. We've heard True. of Zanzibar, mm-hmm. who is Octavius Carver, but like not much more than the name. Green's the same way. Like we, we meet Sura yeah. Oh, yeah. in Iron Gold, but like yep. we don't really we have context about greens, but okay, so not to get super nerdy, but when I was working on uh as you guys know, I was like working on a Red Rising role playing game, like a setting, like turning that into it. Yeah, just let me know when you want to finish that, because like I'll do the what? back half no, of the work. Really? I I absolutely <laughs> like I'm still so here for it. Uh but I found myself like wanting for a lot more information about greens and, mm-hmm. you know, among many other co- whites, you know, wanting to learn about like, yeah. there's mm-hmm. all these things that are implied, these abilities that are implied with um, like whites, like their ability to like, even the idea of the mind's eye, right. This ability to like have some sort of cognitive like foresight or being able to control someone telepathically. It's implied through the red rising board game that, um, you know, the ability, like, there, I think there's, like, yellows have the ability to, like, I guess, like, telepathically or psychically connect with people. There, there's a lot of implied things in this world through either genetic engineering or, or natural evolution that we don't get to see because we don't get to spend a lot of time within these colors. And there's this, even browns, right? We right. Don't, mm-hmm. We know they exist, but we don't spend any time. So it's like, all of them, I guess, is the answer. My answer, like, I want to see all of them except for gold. I just, I would love a story mm-hmm. that, like, just didn't spend any time with gold because it's like I've gotten enough of that. And there's a whole mm-hmm. world, like, they are the top little section of that pyramid. And I think that it's implied that they're the minority. Like, there's not very many of them compared to like Correct. how yeah. many of every mm-hmm. other color there are. Right. That there are certain ones that are really rare. Maybe violet's kind of rare. You know, like there's other ones. 
that's why they didn't move to a democracy, right? Is because of the the hierarchy of the upper echelons of colors. Yeah, but like that was yeah. why when and the reason I brought up the Red Rising role playing game idea was because right away one of the first rules I wanted to like impose on the character creation is like you can't be a gold. We got to tell some other stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got to tell another story. Got to have like somebody who's not already like taking up a ton of space in this world. We know what their deal is. We have to like figure out and explore what the rest of the colors are up to. I'd like to pose something that I already brought it up earlier this episode. We don't know much about golds that aren't peerless. We don't know standard gold society at all. All we know about yeah, are like, like, like bronzes. Yeah. To, yeah. Like the bronze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, no, I just think golds, golds yeah. that aren't peerless scarred even, right? That like didn't yeah. attend, like most of the golds in the story are academy students right they're like yeah. people that have been through institute etc institute right. training the but that even represents a really tiny sliver of gold society yeah one yeah. percent it's supposed to be a hundred thousand people and we've been introduced to many people instead of that hundred thousand yeah yeah so mm-hmm. like that's a good point e- even gold society that's not that upper echelon would be kind of interesting i get your point and i think you're right i think we need to see a lot more of the other colors copper copper fantastic any other any other color thoughts sure more copper more puffins more, more puffins. puffins more puffins who doesn't want more puffins you know, for those of those of you listening and, and wondering is it janelle's a copper 100% i am 100% <laughs> literal copper. copper literal copper literal all right the the last question that we had prepared in any regard is kind of a quick one, but I, I feel like it leads into the idea of the next book. Quicksilver has got to be one of the slipperiest characters of the series at this point. Um, what do we what do we think? How big of a role do we think he plays in the next book and kind of going forward? What do you think his motivations? Ooh, there is a lot of speculation on Quicksilver out there, and yeah. a lot. Uh, I've actually seen some people say that he's kind of like not the main thing, but like kind of a a big hero in book six. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think right now Quicksilver is, is chilling on Oculus right now after he escaped and he is forming an AI uh, kind of contingent and going against gold society, building out the robots and getting ready to launch an attack. And then I think that, he won't be important to the entirety of the book, but that he'll kind of reinforce a single front of combat. And I could see him actually having to go up with his robots against the Askamani. Okay. That makes so much fucking sense. And I'd never drawn that conclusion. <laughs> I'd never thought that he was going to be like a, a leader of a secondary military force that would reinforce you know the the republic i think in in general is kind of the way well, that they I think just lost go. millions of troops like, they need some reinforcement right right it's got to come from somewhere <laughs> and that makes so much sense and maybe it's a bunch of figments because maybe he created figment in the first place and he has to fix lyrius too so interesting yeah. that's that's my thought process is he clearly has a big hand in figment and is tied through that to glorostes through oculus because he funded it glorostes made it and it's for figment so like there's a weird convergence of a lot of different plot points all coming together and that'll be fun to explore Mm -hmm. yeah well well, i think i think we can end the podcast i think that's (laughs) (laughs) 
math hours, like, I'm with them. <laughs> hey, what, what's that computer's name in Terminator? That's probably like... Skynet? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's very derivative of Skynet. <laughs> Dude, Quicksilver just, like, rips off his, like, skin and is like, I have been a machine this entire time. <laughs> I transcend society. I am the future. Yeah. It's very like libertarian ethos of like, wow, but I can do the thing better than you ever could. Oh, we can all counterbalance each other. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts on Quicksilver that are boiling over or the figment? We didn't. No, that's all. Droid Army. Let's see it. I love Droid that. Army. Yeah. I was I, honestly, Jeremy, you've knocked it out of the park so hard that like, I don't. I know. We were like, what? I, I just want to talk about that now. So part two of this podcast is just us talking about the droid army. I disagree with my idea now. Like, <laughs> yeah, what was your idea, Crossland? What, what did you have? You, you know, you my my thought, um, my only thought with Quicksilver was that I think that he will be kind of a minor antagonist for uh, like Lyria in his own in his own way with like Figment. It'll be like a maze to run against. Maybe maybe that even feeds in where it's like Lyria then ends up commanding the droid army because she takes down Quicksilver on her own and that ends up being kind of the, her feed into like being oh. book six. But like it, there's there's got to be something there. And I've I've made the allegory, I think, a lot of times with the way that we think about the Oculus and the very limited description that we get is it feels very reminiscent of uh, Plato's cave. It feels very on the same wavelength of the idea of having a kid not knowing what he's seeing and not being exposed to all of kind of the the overarching problems that exist outside. It's just your immediacy. And so that's where I was hoping the Oculus would go. But I think I think I'm more in line with the idea that it's got to be Lyria coming up, taking out Quicksilver, taking over the army now. And I had to rebuild my idea now that Jeremy has pitched that because I think that's right. That that just makes <laughs> it makes so much sense. So. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. Jeremy, with the final word. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm helping uh, Pierce with that section of the book. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Though this is not the first time that you've been like pretty. I mean, your ability to read between the lines is pretty powerful. I think on the Pierce episode we did, you had a couple of moments where he was like hinted that you were on the right path or that you understood like kind uh, of the trajectory. You're pretty good. I think at that. that was both to both of you. Yeah. I think it was both of you. Jeremy has a knack for that. I made this comment to Janelle that I would love to do an episode with Pierce, but instead of talking about the book, we would just drink the whole episode and talk about anything else. <laughs> I'm sure he would be <laughs> fucking down for that. Yeah. It would be really funny to like bookend, you know, book six or something like that with just like an interview talking about whiskeys. Um really <laughs> which would be like hilarious. Um wasn't his favorite whiskey in that's why Logable I actually got the cuisine. Yeah. yeah, that's why I asked you and you were like, it's smoky. Well, it's it's an Islay, right? So it's it's its whole own thing inside of scotch and whatnot. So, so hey, Mars in the future has that whiskey. So. True, true. It should be way more than a 16 at that point. <laughs> Unless they're still brewing in Ireland. Like, what the hell? <laughs> like, it's gotta be. I mean, that's just the time that it's spent in the barrels, right. not in the... <laughs> It doesn't age once it's in the bottle, though. I mean, what do you mean it doesn't no. age? It still ages. It shouldn't age in the bottle. So it's 16 because it was Eventually 16 you're years gonna, in the barrel. But you're going to have osmosis through the cork over time. Okay. It shouldn't. Hold on. But over over hundreds of years. <laughs> okay. Hundreds of years. Hang on. Hold on. Everybody put okay. their hands where I can see them. Real quick. You just 
What you do is you put it outside, PJ. <laughs> it's it's kind of like sun tea. It's like sun tea. I'm scared. What are we doing? 16 years in the barrel and one in the sun. I'm afraid. I know. Mathar, what are you doing? Bacon and eggs. Spirit fingers. Let's let's settle this with a bet. Oh God. PJ, if you're right, what do you what do you get? What do you want? What am like a woman sixteen? <laughs> if I'm right about what? Well, you just said you just made a, a claim that ages in crossing the refuted. Yeah. But this is words and whiskey. The podcast we're gonna we're talking about whiskey. Let's just find out who's um, right. I googled it and I have the answer right in front of me. I just want to like see if oh, you know. if I'm right. Crossland has to take a shot right now. If I'm wrong, okay. I have to take one. Oh, because that's something that can be resolved right now. On there air. we go. I like this. Fine. All right. Um, unlike wine, an unopened bottle of whiskey does not get better the longer it sits on your shelf. It could sit there for years, even decades, as long as it's stored in the right environment, but it starts to degrade the minute you open the bottle. It does not age, in other words. This is kind of a long article, the way of saying that it does not age, it does not get better on the shelf. Once you bottle it, Cross is drinking. you just gotta keep it there. <laughs> so, PJ wow. is right. I love ending with cross being wrong. <laughs> Me too. It's wonderful. <laughs> this is great day. <laughs> he should have known better. He's the he's the literary guy. Good I'm job, the PJ. drunk of the group, I guess. Yeah, the official line is that whiskey does not change in the bottle as long as the bottle remains unopened. So technically, the aging process of like improvement mm-hmm. stops the minute you bottle right. it. It just sits. Yep. Yeah. Oh. The first I, I did not know that either. I had I to Google it. I, I, you learn something every day. I would have totally. Here we go. Here is we this go. our bottle? It's our Here words and whiskey. This is our bottle. His parents got us for our one year like anniversary of doing this podcast an engraved bottle of bourbon. Wow. With, shit. With words and whiskey on it. This it's a, it's is a great. 60 percenter for the record. Like this is gnarly. Um, Hold on. Cheers. Wait for Jeremy. Jeremy, come back here. Jeremy, yeah. Wait for Jeremy. It was Jeremy. Jeremy, you're witnessing history here. So, so PJ won the bet. Did you? Were you here for that part? Yeah, I was. Yeah, okay, there for PJ that part. won the bet. Ooh, and uh, the bet was that Crossland had to drink if he was right. And so Crossland's busting out, uh, uh, I guess, their own bottle of whiskey. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was an anniversary gift that my parents got us for the show. So, so laser etched with sixty percent whiskey on the on the bottle itself. Which is pretty yeah, sweet. A Woodenville special yeah. cask, crazy shit. Yeah, and now that up. it's opened, you will need to drink it with PJ. Hopefully, yeah. send me a, beautiful. Like, pour that into like a water bottle and send me like twelve ounces. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Cross ideal was, vessel. Cross was saving that until he just realized that it doesn't get any better. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> full circle yes. i love it good good shit <laughs> Alrighty. well i think it's about that time um you guys anything to obviously the show itself you've got you guys have going on um anything else that's uh, or anything on the show specifically that you, you want to like you want to talk about yeah anything. yes anything i would love to plug a couple things um yeah well one is that uh our you know our next event, whereas we're calling it, it's kind of, you know third season. However, you want to look at it, yeah. we have finished Morning Star, and we are recording a um, we are recording a special seven part series 
on the whole first trilogy, but specifically around the events of Morningstar, but like reflecting on the whole series. Um, I don't, Jeremy, we haven't announced the name of that like to everyone, right? So I shouldn't say like what it's called. Uh, we have not yet. That's correct. We have not. Okay, cool. I'll hold. I think it's the word the patrons. I think I know, but patrons yeah. only. Yeah, no. Yeah. But we we're still working mm-hmm. on that. So that's actually we we're doing that. Uh, the reason I want to bring it up is because we're doing it with video. So we're releasing it on YouTube as well as in podcast yeah. format. And we've like you can see Jeremy has panels and and lights and everything back there, and we've got a really nice 4K camera, and so we're filming that whole thing. I'm going to be producing it remotely. So definitely look for an announcement on the next big season series that Hell Reaper is going to do, but we're going to be covering some interesting, specifically talking about the epilogue of Morningstar and what it means for the entire first three books, um, the themes that are ever present throughout the first part. Of- I didn't say that very eloquently. You know, this, this show is called Words and Whiskey. You should ask me to plug stuff at the top. <laughs> <laughs> that's coming soon we're yeah. recording that starting we start this weekend so it should be out uh on the airwaves uh within the next month or so awesome other than what uh you said math are just uh check us out on our socials we're on instagram at hail reaper pod and also on twitter at hail reaper pod uh, we'd love to see you guys and interact with you there yeah absolutely without a doubt that's that's the whole show yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Oh god. That's it. This you is have, this like, is also generally how we like do this. Best like it's not, ever. there's no like there's like no like big ending. We're always like, yep, and that's it. And then it's like PJ goes in and he's like, Thanks for showing up. <laughs> but anyway, um no, but actually thank you guys so much for like coming and doing the whole thing with us. This is great, of course, with uh with like making this of course work through Riverside and whatnot. Thank you, Math Arc. And for uh for pulling this whole thing together. It was it was great to get, have you guys back and to have Janelle for the first time. And Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, yeah, PJ. I had a blast. This was so much fun. I I yeah, always love. Always good. Always yeah. a good time with you guys. Yeah. This is great. Without a doubt, it was great to have you guys back and whatnot. So I uh, definitely definitely love it and can't wait. Next week we are going to be chatting uh, about Dune and Red Rising with our resident programmer and Linux Graybeard Tim Olson, mm-hmm. and we'll be kind of covering the movie because it was so requested by all of our followers and everything. We got so many pings, emails, angry texts, and tweets and Discord messages that it's like, how dare you not talk about Dune? So we are going to talk about <laughs> Dune next week, guys. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> is that your next book series, or is this just no? Just but- just the just the film. We're just gonna. Tim, Tim and I have read the book, so we'll talk about the book. PJ is not expected to have any input. Yeah. So, <laughs> book plus movie. Low expectations. By that I mean on the I book. Love it. Not, I love it. love it. Not on the movie. PJ's seen the movie twice at this point. So, oh, man. I haven't seen it yet. I've watched it five times. So that's where we'll leave you for this week. Thank you, as always, to Andrew and Tim for helping us keep our show's lights on. Check out all the show notes. You can find our schedule, our Patreon, previous episodes, our websites, our socials, all in one very easy, convenient location. Um, We do also want to take a second to thank our new Patreons. Patrons. We have two new barbacks this month. We have H, who is a brand new barback, just the single letter H. Thank you so much, H. And also we have Storm. Thank you to both of you. We're so excited to have you inside of our discord and whatnot chatting away with us uh very excited so very excited for what next week brings and uh can we talk to you thank thank you guys so much for the show 
this is this has been awesome. This was so much fun. Awesome. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers.